Hello, and welcome to another episode of Myths and Stories, a Destiny 2 lore podcast. Uh, today, we are going to be discussing uh, our impressions and the lore surrounding the recently released Root of Nightmares raid. Uh, our previous episode, we were talking about Lightfall, and then the post-campaign uh, quests and, and information about Niamuna. Uh, so this is kind of... Uh, for the time being, at least, finishing out our uh, little set of episodes around Lightfall-specific content. Um, so, the raid has been out for uh, a little over a week now, I believe, and we had a lot of fun going through it initially. Uh, we did attempt the 48-hour, and though we got to the final boss... Uh, unfortunately, our our biggest opponent was scheduling, and uh, it was just it was difficult to get the group together to uh, to try and make that final push um, after you know a few not very restful nights <laughs> <laughs> uh, of of attempts to get there. So uh, didn't quite didn't quite finish it out, but it was super fun. I really enjoyed it, um, and we have a lot to talk about. Absolutely. This, this, I, and, and everyone in the clan knows that my absolute favorite raid in the world is Last Wish. This one has now taken number one spot at every, everything about this raid, the, the aesthetics, the mechanics, the guns, the dialogue, the, the story that all of it has taken number one spot for me. That is a bold statement. I know. I, 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 I finally made that decision last night when we ran it again, and I was like, I, I love this place. I absolutely love this place. It's, it's, honestly, it's, it's the most accessible raid in all of Destiny that I've, that I've ever seen. Um, there's, there's, no, there's no like uh, 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 main room where it's like, oh, everyone has to do everything of everything. There's always like one or two roles where it's like, okay, well, you know, so and so can cover that, or you know, we can we can skip this or do that or or whatever. Like it's it feels it feels very accessible as a as a raid, um, at, at least from in my opinion, it it doesn't seem very overwhelming to me. Yeah, and I I know there's been a lot of chatter around the difficulty of it, and you know, the contest mode version of it was finished in a very short amount of time, like two and a half hours. Um, was the world's first that that did um, kind of blow my mind when we, we, <laughs> yeah. we, were, we were just we were just getting to understand the the first encounter and i think we were almost through it like i want to say we finished the first encounter about 30 minutes after the world's first did the entire raid but when yeah. they when somebody announced it to us in discord it was like hey world's first done we were like what the f dude it's it's two hours what the hell <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um you know we're here to talk about the story and the lore not necessarily about the uh, public reception around exactly. the the raid, um, but we really enjoyed it for what it was, and we'll leave it at that. Yep. So um, to get to the story, um, yes. Where's where? Okay, so let's let's. I love starting these things with questions. Where is this? Where is this raid taking place, and why is this place important? That is a wonderful start. So this raid is taking place on uh, a pyramid ship, but not just any pyramid ship. Uh, it is the pyramid ship that the Traveler uh, hit with its beam of light in the intro cutscene for Lightfall, uh, and additionally seems to be 
the pyramid ship that the witness is uh, primarily been using in the cutscenes that we have seen. Like, um, like his personal pyramid ship type thing. Yeah. So I don't know that he has one that's really assigned to him, but this is the one he seems to spend the most time in. Sure. Sure. I think of this as like his personal Air Force One. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably a good, uh, good an- analogy. Um, so we are entering this pyramid through the hole, essentially, that, that the traveler's beam left. And, uh, it is a really interesting space because, you know, pyramids are dark, uh, are 100% dark energy up until, you know, all of our other experiences with them have been that. And this space is uh, a, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but a, a merging of the two. So I, th- I, th- I think struggle is a very apt word, thinking of, of how, like, as you're going through the the raid, it is shifting. Yes. I, th- I think there is a fight going on here. So the, the Traveler's Beam, as we saw in the initial cutscene, uh, it's not just a, a destructive beam. It's not like a laser beam to carve a hole, although it did leave one. Um, everywhere that it touched on the pyramid, and you can, again, you can see this in the intro cutscene, it caused things these vines to grow. It caused life to sprout up uh, through these vines and flowers and, and whatnot. And we see that in stark contrast as you're progressing through this raid, where there are sections of what we would consider very um, you know, traditional pyramid uh, tech architecture, like you'd see in uh, The Vow of the Disciple, or even traversing through like Callus's ship in the campaign and whatnot. And, uh, but it's broken up by these white and iridescent and colorful, um, just shifting vines and roots and, uh, you know, flowers and leaves. And it's, it's such a cool aesthetic it to really see the is. difference. I, I, it, it had this very Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass feel to it the whole time you're in there. And like the, 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 it, it 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 the symbology behind it too i feel is very um uh, very forefront where the pyramids are very exact you know it, it, the final shape the 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 simplest size the simplest 3d object and everything is perfect and exact angles and 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 you know it's it's so exact whereas the the light side of it all the trees and all the roots and flowers and stuff they're they're going every which way they're it's it's complete chaos and that's that's kind of like the idea of light and dark of light being the uh, no chaos chaos is a good thing chaos allows life to flourish and and darkness being the no everything has to come down to the to an exact perfect thing like that's it has to be the final shape so yeah I I love the symbology that you can kind of see there throughout the entire raid as you're moving through it and seeing all these different uh, pyramid and 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 tree kind of clashing together and and again I, I like that word struggle i they the whole time i feel like the two forces are really struggling with each other the whole time yeah and uh it becomes very apparent pretty much immediately upon entering the raid you get uh some some you know villainous laughter uh from the the being that is going to be 
your companion in a way throughout the entirety of the raid, similar to how Rulk was for Vow of the Disciple. He was constantly talking at us and, uh, you know, poking fun at our ability or inability to do certain things. Um, and we get a very similar interaction throughout this raid, uh, this time from Nezarek. Uh, and interestingly enough, uh, right at the entrance, before you even get to the first encounter, uh, as you're progressing through and there's you know some ads to clear and such, uh, there is a statue kind of in a, a courtyard, a, a dark pyramid architecture courtyard there is a statue there of a um you know figure holding what looks like a, a scythe of sorts and i anyone that has a friend that is a void warlock main or is me and is a, a void warlock say, main wave, wave uh, to the crowd myth <laughs> <laughs> yeah um that has a tendency to wear the nezarek sin helmet uh, the head of that statue looks very familiar, um, which seems to, you know, seems to indicate that this is an effigy of sorts to Nazarek themselves. And that the, 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 the head of that statue as well as Nazarek sin. And I, I don't know why I never really looked at it and saw it almost looks like the head of a scion, like the, the helmets yeah. that they're wearing. And I think there's a, I think, I don't remember what season it came from, but there is a, uh, there's a warlock helm uh, cosmetic item that is a scion helm, and it like you can almost you can, it it looks like it it looks like Nezarek, <laughs> and so like and we talked about this last episode of of there is some type of connection with Nezarek and the scions. I think that like further shows it like either he was their god that they were worshiping or something like. Like, why else would they, like, make themselves in his likeness type thing? Like, it's, yeah, either either he was a scion or he was, he, he or something. I don't know. Like, I, it's, it's, it's too coincidental that his, his helm or head or face, not sure which, which is accurate to, to yeah, put right. there, is, is, looks very similar to a scion's head, helmet, face. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I, I do think just to, to pause for a moment there, um, I am of the belief that Nezarek either started as a scion of sorts uh, and was like a, a mutation of one or an evolved form of one somehow. Um, but at the very least, I think came from the same uh, the same system. You know, I, I think Nezarek was probably originally related to the Scions much more closely than anything else. Pre pre Cabal takeover. Yeah, pre Cabal yeah. takeover. Um, because they they referred to it as as the God Thought. You know, they they had to appease the the God Thought. Um, and given that Nezarek has a very strong uh psychic influence. Uh, psychic power seems to be, I mean, he's communicating with us over long distance. Um, and scions uh, are described as communicating not with words primarily, but by projecting their own thoughts and feelings and memories into other into another person's brain to get their point across. Uh, same, same way a puka does. Yeah, I think a puka, a little different. A puka dredges up your own memory to oh, yeah, get right. get that's the right. message across that they want whereas a scion is like pushing their memory 
or or their emotion into you so that you can understand what their you know feelings and intentions are uh but in in both cases uh as we know now that seems to be something inherent to uh the force darkness um not not to say that it's morally good or evil, but it is a force of the universe that is dark, seems to deal more with the psychic plane of powers. The, the non-physical. I think right. Because that, that was something that we thought of too last time, is that like light deals with like the physical properties of the universe, and dark deals with like the metaphysical, like the emotional, the, the yep. memory, the psychic portions of the universe. Yeah, it is taking a psychic concept and giving it physical form uh, to to paraphrase what osiris says in in lightfall um but so again both very um psychic beings nezrak being very strong psychically to communicate as well as we will learn later um that's his main way of feeding of of sustenance is uh feeding off psychic energy of particular emotions um so yeah it is a very Nezarak centric raid, uh, and you you learn that immediately after stepping foot in there, uh, through his his little you know taunting laughter and dialogues, which we will go over the the dialogues uh, a little later, um, and then also through just this you know this statue very front and center as you enter of you know the the master of the castle kind of thing. Now that the the witness is away. So that brings us to kind of the first, uh, well, I guess before the first encounter actually starts, you get quite a vista from kind of the platform of the first encounter. And the one thing of note in particular that takes up most of the horizon, uh, well, on one side is the traveler with the pyramid hole cut in it, uh, or I'm not sure if it's cut in it or if it's a portal that's like sitting on top of it, but regardless, the traveler is staring down at you pretty much the whole time. Uh, but on the other side is what looks like a closed flower bud, uh, like a rosebud or or something. Uh, that's that kind of twisted uh, look to it, um, you know, closed petals, and it is the same kind of white iridescent material as the various vines and and whatnot that we have seen up until this point so that brings us then to the first encounter itself and uh this isn't a raid guide we're not going to go through you know team of two here and team of two there kind of thing uh but we are going to talk a little bit about the mechanics because the mechanics have some more relevance to them which i think i i thought was really cool i so when you're looking across this first encounter, and, and this is repeated in the second and final encounters, um, there's a number of like pools. And on each of these pools, uh, which I, I think is worth noting that they look like, all of the pools look like white ripples. And I, I almost wonder if that's where like a drop yeah, of the of the the light power landed kind of thing um, I, I think but that's it wasn't accurate. yeah like that, that's just the feel i get like some you know a drop of water or a drop yeah. of light hit there and now it's in this in-between state yeah because it like distorts 
that portion of like where everywhere these little like plates are, these droplets, the the ground is distorted in that ripple pattern, and it's kind of emanating. And and like before you can activate the next one, they they have this like almost DNA uh, double helix uh, thing coming out of it that is both light and dark particles. Like you can see uh, what what I think are motes of light and motes of dark. Uh, motes of light being a, a sphere, a circle, and motes of dark being a tetrahedron, a, a pointed object, and they're and they're both, you know, double double rotating around each other in, in that DNA double double helix uh, uh, structure. Yeah, and I and that was a really cool uh, detail when we when we actually sat on one of those and and just looked at them. Is like, yeah, the little particles of this this double helix are little circles of light and little tetrahedrons of, uh, of dark. You're welcome. <laughs> Every, I'm, I'm starting to get that across to everyone <laughs> in the right team, too. Everyone in the clan is now starting to call them tetrahedrons. So if we can get this all the way back to Bungie, maybe they'll finally fix their dialogue <laughs> and call them tetrahedrons. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so the, you like you can see even in the the particle effects on the double helixes this this kind of duality of you know little light and a little dark and uh, funny enough we the player in in a way get to choose which one is true for that space uh, and this is where that that mechanic comes in uh, so there there is a area where. Um, doesn't have a double helix it has what we what we have taken to calling seeds um either or or sometimes we'll call the round one the traveler um and i tend to call the the dark one an acorn uh but they're essentially like these these little miniature um you know and i think they are seeds of power seeds of light and seeds of dark uh and your whole goal is to use that seed and connect it to the next pool or the next plate uh, and decide through that connection what that plate is going to manifest as. Uh, and in the first encounter, it's purely light. You're just you know uh, chaining light energy down the arena. Um, and not to, to skip over the rest of the first encounter, but in the second encounter, it's light and dark. So it it almost follows the mentality of our guardian in a way of like light is good, light is the only thing. And then we reach a point where it's like, no, we can use both and we can use them in tandem. I I I like that symbology. I absolutely love that symbology there. And I think that was I think that was done on purpose. Yeah. No, I, I think so. Um but another note about the first encounter arena is that that arena is the same space as the final encounter. Uh, by the time you get there in the final encounter, it has changed a little bit. Uh, but if you look, um, you can see the, for lack of a better term, casket that Nezarak is, is encased in. Um, you can see it in that very first encounter and then when you come back to the final encounter it is uh again a, a little change the arena has kind of changed over time because of things that are happening as you progress through the raid but it is the same view of that that casket yeah I, and i was going to touch on like the 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 changing of the arena the changing of the entire raid 
uh, the whole reason why it is changing comes back to that that seed bud, that that rosebud that you see at the very beginning. It's it's very much growing, and these and the roots of it are literally cracking through this pyramid and moving parts of this pyramid around because they're now attached to tree roots or they're attached to roots of this this flower bud thing. Yeah, and it's it's super cool. If uh, I think it's tied to the the FX volume slider yep. in your settings, but if you just go into like one of the hallways where some of the roots are and just sit there for a second and you know tell your fire team to shut up if you have to, yep. uh, <laughs> if you if you just sit there for a second, you can hear it. You can hear like yeah. that creaking noise of of it, and it sounds like you know like wood creaking. It, yep. It's it is this these roots. And that, that is what they are, these roots growing through the the pyramid architecture. I, I freaking love it. It like it makes it 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 makes the place feel alive. Like it doesn't like every other raid that we've gone to, I, again, short of short of short of last wish, I feel like we're just in a space. Like we're just traversing a space. Whereas like this one, now the now the 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 space that we are traversing feels alive like there is there is something actively happening as we're going through this raid uh which which to me was kind of the same with with uh uh last wish where like you're traversing the the um ascendant plane to get to different spots that that you normally can't get to because the there there's no bridge there's no way to cross this gap oh okay we'll just dip in the ascendant plane and walk across the next spot so like it 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 feels alive is the, that's the only way I can think to describe it is, is the, the scenery around you, the, the floor you're standing on the walls, the, the actual structure that you are in feels like it is alive, feels like it is, is moving and changing the entire time. Yeah. And what I thought was really cool is that we, the guardian or, or our fire team appears to be the vehicle for that change. Yep. Uh, so I, I sat right at the be- beginning of the raid. I, I um, before the first encounter, I went over to where one of the the kind of root areas were, and I sat there again listening, and I didn't hear any of that creaking noise. I only oh. heard it the first the first time I heard it was after we had completed the first encounter in that next little room where those are, where there's roots growing through, and. So I, I think, and I, you know, I, I've seen some other people um, have the same thought on Twitter and Reddit and such, that as we're linking these little uh, pools of light and dark, I think we're, we're acting in a way as a conduit to continue the growth of this, this light plant. Like, like, we're, like we're pollinating or germinating this thing. Like yes. Yeah. 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 I I'm yes I'm one hundred percent on board with this idea, especially with the the dark the dark pod the the, the acorn. It looks too much like a seed. Like yeah, it very it really much does. has this seed like look to it, and so that's where it's like I I think you're right. I think we are actively growing this this rosebud tree root thing that's 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 appeared here. Uh, at this meeting of light and dark, yeah, it's it's, I I, I love it. I I freaking love it, Myth. Is is such a cool aesthetic and such a cool idea, um, that makes you know, like you said, it makes it feel alive and it makes it feel like we are 
the the reason why um the, this space is changing in the way that it is you know, it feels like we have some some level of agency over what's happening although that's you know a bit of an illusion well and 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 to me the thing that leads credence to that too is there's a few in between spots i think in between like the the second and third encounter and the third and fourth encounter where there's a hallway where you have to connect the two to get the hallway to open up to like yes to 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 i don't know what it's called when a flower opens up but to, to flower open up the hallway and it has that very much same animation of like a flower blooming or or I guess blooming would yeah. be the word. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, it has that blooming look to it when you get through the hallway. So that to me leads again more to this idea of like we are growing this thing. Yeah. No, I I I think that was the intention. Uh and I, I think they nailed it if it was. And if it wasn't, then you know, happy little accident. Yay. Uh <laughs> so uh the second encounter doesn't have a whole lot more that it expands upon that um other than now it's a light seed and a dark seed and um you know you have to connect both of these pathways in order to progress. Uh again just kind of that I think going from light only mentality to we can use both mentality. Um and I know a lot of people don't really enjoy the the catapult mechanic, but I just have to say I'm in love with it. I think it's the most cow. fun encounter. I think that thing is nuts. Uh for for our 48 hour run, uh to kind of keep spirits up a little bit, uh we turned it into a race between yep. the two runners and that was that was a ton of fun to have a a little, you know, friendly competition on top of the the uh you know, just trying to get through it and it, it helped take the mind off, you know, the, the pressure of a, a, a 24 or 48 hour, um, raid race. Myth was, myth was running the dark side and every time you hear dark side <laughs> done. And one of our other fire team members was like, God damn it. How are you so fast? <laughs> it was fun. It was fun for sure. Um, but yeah, so you complete the second encounter, uh, which I guess I also have to mention the white mechanic for the second encounter is equally cool, but disturbing. It's so awesome. <laughs> I love it. This like wall of like darkness goo just completely obliterates you off every side of this entire encounter and just dumps you into a chasm of death and says, you lose. Like... <laughs> It's so awesome. And it's that it's that same like that gooiness, that that like darkness goo that you see um back at the end of the Witch Queen campaign. Uh and again in, in the third encounter when we get to that when we get yep. to talking about that one. Uh the scene where the witness is it has he has all the planets and and he's he opens up this this he cut he actually walks out of this gooey bits and and opens up another gooey bits and sees the traveler and pyramid, you have no more pieces and yeah, it's 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 a disturbing looking goo that just appears and literally shoves everyone off into the chasm in the middle into the abyss and says, "You lose." Yeah, I uh, it was a lot of fun. I was the runner. I was very focused on like get to the next one, get to the next one. So when I was in the progress of you know getting to the next one, I just hear for the very first time we hit that white mechanic. I just hear someone go, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. Uh, so, but uh, mechanically, um, does nothing, nothing more lore relevant than than that. Uh, so that's where we move for the first time uh, into one of the like inside one of these tree roots, and it's it's almost like you're 
you're in, you know, like the vascular system, you're, you're in the vein of, uh, this, this growing plant. And you have to, like, like Zor said before, you have to connect the, uh, areas even in this air, in this kind of traversal section to open it. And I think that again, lends to, we're growing the pathway in front of us. Um, so then the, uh, the next section is this really infuriating at first, <laughs> uh, but now with a few, you know, runs under the belt, you, you kind of know where stuff is and it's not so bad. Uh, this platforming section and the mechanic to the platforming section is again, this, this light and dark, but now, now it's not just, okay, we can use both independently. They're on opposite sides of the arena doing their own thing. Now it's, we need to use both together to survive. Yeah. Again, leading to that, that symbology there of the destiny light and darkness saga of light only. No light and darkness independently. No. Now using both of them in, in tandem is good. Like it, I, I love the symbology there. Yeah. And so what, what you're doing, uh, is you're, you have to hit, uh, essentially you have to hit a, uh, light node to get, you know, empowered with light. And then you go to a dark node and the dark node will give you a protection from this white mechanic that happens. Uh, I want to say like every minute, um, as you progress through and it, the, the effect of this is so cool again, infuriating at first, but so cool. This this heartbeat sound effect that you hear just this thump, 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 thump. And, uh, it sends out this big wave, this all encompassing wave of dark energy that if you are not protected by hitting those nodes, uh, instant death as soon as it hits you. Um, and if you look, if you pay attention to where that's coming from, that, that wave of energy is coming from the, that casket of Nezarek from the very first encounter, uh, which you can see through, I think, all of the traversal, at least that section for sure. You oh, can absolutely. see it. Yeah, that, that, that area is so open. You can totally just glance over and you can see it like you know that wave's coming from you because you can see where it's emanating from. Yes, yes. Uh, and another thing that's kind of cool is, um, so I, I, I suppose, spoiler, not spoiler, Nezarak is the final boss. Uh, and we've been referring to it as Nezarak's casket, so that is where he is. Um, if you happen to have a sniper rifle or something with a, a high zoom scope, uh, during this section, you can actually aim it at the uh, casket at where he would spawn uh, during the final encounter out of it and you can see him but it's not all of him yet uh, it's, so, it's so creepy looking it's, it's so <laughs> creepy looking I have to say that now if you because I took the time to do that once it is creepy looking it's like this vascular system is in there or like a nervous system is in there and a head it's so freaky looking like yeah. this place is the place of nightmares and it's like that idea of through the looking glass and and Alice in Wonderland is is 
it's all thrown into chaos looking at that one image and it's oh it's so creepy <laughs> and there, there's a couple other points where you can do do a similar thing where you can uh you'll have sight to aim aim at the casket and kind of see him inside of it and at at each point there's a little more of his body there which gives me the impression that not only are we growing the tree as we do all of this but uh maybe because we're we're supplying energy to the tree um we're also supplying him with the energy he needs to reform himself to reform his uh, a physical body uh and i think that that's lended credence to by uh, something, uh, a feature, I guess, of that casket uh, that we're going to talk about when we get to the last encounter. But before that, we arrive at the third encounter um, after this traversal space. And the third encounter is really, really cool. Um, very different mechanically from the rest of it. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. You You are in the uh for lack of a better term planetarium that is seen in that uh post witch queen um witness cutscene where the witness is moving through and there's all the planets and they kind of you know flick their wrist to move all the planets aside uh and we're we're in that space we're we're walking down the hall the witness walked down and the statues on either side and all of the planets there in front of you and the planets are the mechanic and it was ah I love I loved this encounter. It it was so great. It absolutely was. It's 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 this whole uh like like Myth and I thought about it the first time we thought, oh they like oh they're doing a syzygy in here. Like this is how the witness manipulated the worms and and as we're doing it we're realizing, oh no, we're not aligning them in a line. We're aligning them with light and darkness. Because the when you first enter the arena, there's two uh two of these planets or moons uh have this like glowing effect to them and one of them has this light effect on it and one the other one has that orange like darkness effect to it and and right off the bat they're telling you exactly what you need to do in the room i want all the light planets over here and i want all the dark planets over here because light and dark can't mix it's it's like it's like peas and carrots you can't have those together unless you're forrest gump then they go together uh <laughs> So, but, and, and the room itself is even split into light and dark. As you're looking at the room, the right half of the arena, or the, yeah, the right half of the arena is all pyramid. It's all nice and perfect and exact and everything is in its place and, and, and everything is great and fine according to the, according to darkness. But you look at the left half of the arena and there's vi- the vines have broken through this, this space and it started to move shit out of the way and, and, and mess things up and so like there's a true like that is like the light infected side of the arena so it's like no all the light needs to get back over to that side of the arena so, to keep these things aligned and it's like i i love all of this symbology here of like this is light this is dark like no they need to be separated they they can't you can't be mixing them you can't be using them in tandem like they don't they don't go together that's not that's not how light and dark works from the point of view of darkness like that's that to me what that whole symbology of that entire arena was was like this yeah darkness looks at at light and dark and says no you can't you can't be this perversion you can't be this i'm going to use whatever i want whenever i want type type being you can only use light or you can only use dark and if you try to mix them you die 
it's I I love the, the all the hidden symbology in this raid. It's it's amazing. Yeah, and that that is the wipe mechanic for it. Is when when you wipe it uh, has a light planet and a dark planet kind of like touch. They make contact, and that's what causes the the wipe to happen. Um, that or that's the animation that happens when yep. when you hit the wipe timer. I should say. Um, and so it, not only is it a really cool visual effect to communicate the mechanic of light planets and dark planets, I also wonder if there is an inherent polarity, for lack of a better term, uh, of a planet to be more light or more dark. Because we remember from Season of the Splicer, uh, when Misrax is instructing Ido on how to, how to use the Splicer gauntlet before she you know, decides that she'd be uh, a scribe instead. Um, he's telling her to feel the light at the core of the planet, to to draw that yeah. power from the planet. And I wonder if there are light planets and dark planets that have more of one power. Yeah, like if those powers just like naturally coalesce there. Yeah. And and maybe and now we don't know what any of the planets in that room are supposed to be referring to. We can make some guesses just based on like color one, and whatnot. One looks like a Cheeto puff. <laughs> <laughs> one looks like a cheese puff, yes. Uh, <laughs> but it would be very interesting to see, you know, if Misrax went to one of the dark affiliated planets in that room, could he splice there? Yeah. Or maybe he wouldn't be able to, or maybe he could splice, but it'd be with dark energy instead of yeah. light kind of thing. Yeah. So absolutely. This is kind of a, an interesting thought. Um, as a outside of the visual motifs of the mechanic though, um, you know, and, and the mechanic itself being to gather all of them on uh, all the like uh, planets on, on their individual side. Uh, you know, the boss itself wasn't really, of note, um, which was a little disappointing for me, is just kind of a random cabal. From the dialogue, and and again, we'll go over the dialogue here in a bit. Um, it seemed like it was just like a like a this this failed person. Yeah. <laughs> that that even like the Nezarek Nezarek and the witness were just like, eh, screw that guy, just kill him, get him out of the <laughs> yeah, get get him out of my room. <laughs> Pretty much. So we we oblige. We're like, okay, we'll do we'll deal with him. I. And, you know, after you complete it, you are progressing and the doorway to progress is, is again in one of those like black goo walls, which is. I love it. I fucking <laughs> love it. Uh, so, you you know, you exit that. You have another um, traversal space, uh, which is a lot of traversal space. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's a pretty lengthy one. And this one is is honestly mostly light. Like there's there's tons of of flowers and and roots and everything in this in this section like before it was it very much seemed almost one-sided like it was like oh we're traversing a pyramid we're in a pyramid traversing darkness and then now there's roots kind of like protruding here and there messing stuff up and then by this time now it's like you are just fully on roots and there's like tiny bits of darkness here and there or tiny bits of the pyramid kind of like there's not a whole lot left (laughs) holding this thing together yeah, and we we have progressed. Uh, I think it's because we we have progressed the growth of this plant. Uh, and while you know we were inside killing stuff in the third encounter, it was just going crazy out there, uh, and was you know growing uh, 
exponentially from all the power that we had just given it prior to to that encounter. Um, and so we come back out into it, and yeah, it's there's a much more uh, light and root presence, a lot more color even than before. Uh, they're almost like these these bulbs, these like grass and flower bulbs that are are emerging up from different areas that you jump on. They, um, they freaked me out at first because I thought they were eyeballs <laughs> at first. Like they have like eyelashes. It's, yeah, it was really yeah. freaky. <laughs> they're they're a little strange for sure. Um, but so we we progress through this, uh, and it we eventually um, we do have to do one more like light and dark route to open up another uh, kind of one of those those veins, um, and then we're we're at the final encounter essentially, um, and the final encounter itself merges both of the previous light and dark mechanics, uh, where not only do you have to run pathways. But uh, the boss, Nazarek, can do a, that, that wave of energy, uh, and you have, to, you have to coordinate for one side to come to the other and make that, you know, that merger, that connection between light and dark to give everyone a, a buff to survive whatever uh, wave he's using that time around. Again, I think leading to that, that idea of, like, it's, it's not one side or the other. The, the light and dark isn't... The light's not inherently good. Dark's not inherently bad. Using them both as tools and thinking of them as tools in the Destiny universe is the key to to um, I, I don't want to say survival, but uh, to to defeating forces like the Vex, who don't really have a, a, a I, I don't want to say purpose, but they they really don't have any purpose other than survive and that yeah. survive purpose for them is not survival for us. So <laughs> right. Yeah. By, by, by like order of operations of like, I don't want to not survive. Therefore I have to stop what is trying to make everything around me not survive. Like that's, yeah, that, uh, the logic in that is kind of wonky, but it, it makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, 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 again, leading that to that idea of light and darkness together, like, um, I, th- I think the drifter says it absolute best at the end of prophecies, like light, dark, they're, they're the same thing. It's, you know, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. Like it's, there's no, they're not good. They're not bad. It's, it's you as the person, how do you use them, uh, um, to, that, that determines what's happening. Like that's, it's, they're just tools. Yeah. Um, and so there, there are some interesting things here, uh, that I want to talk about visually that are happening in the space of the fourth encounter. The fourth encounter itself, use the mechanic to, you know, give you a damage phase. You damage him down, rinse, repeat. There's nothing lore significant there. Uh, But the space you are in is so cool and has so many little details. So the first of which, and the most obvious, I suppose, is even as you're you're going up the, the jumping uh, jumping puzzle, the, the traversal to get to this space, you can now see that, that that rosebud, that flower bud in the distance has bloomed and it has bloomed into a tree of silver wings. I, I, I love that. that was, I mean, that's, that's so telling of what has happened here. The first time we ever came across this tree of silver wings was on IO during Season of Arrivals. And that was where the, that was the last place the light had touched. That was the last place the traveler had touched in the universe before retreating to Earth. 
And so there's still a lot of light residual energy there. And the pyramids parked right on top of it and was like, We're, this is a mine now. And as soon as they did, this tree started growing. And yep. that was the whole thing for Season of Arrivals was this air, air is sitting here at this, at this juncture of light and dark uh, using this tree to communicate and, and being communicated through this, this, this joining of light and dark. So that's that's exactly what's happened here in inside the pyramid. The traveler has has hit a, a the traveler using a beam of of presumably pure light energy has hit an area uh, the pyramid of of that that is drenched in in pure darkness. Like the, the um uh, it, there's a dialogue in one of the in one of the seasonal uh, events where Amanda's talking to uh, I think it's Marasov. And uh, a man is like, they're talking and they're like, the air felt musty and, and it, it felt it felt heavy. And Mara says, the witness permeates every bit of the pyramid, uh, including the air, like every molecule of that space. And so then Amanda jokes and says, Ugh, I'm breathing witness dust? Gross. <laughs> but that's exactly what it is. These pyramids are a pure... It, they're pure darkness. Every molecule of this space is pure darkness. So to have that pure light hit that pure darkness, now this tree is formed. Now this tree of silver wings has started to grow, and and we as as guardians throughout the entire thing have now helped uh, grow this thing further and further and further. Uh, um, again, leading more to the 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 opposite of the of the dark. Again, not not necessarily helping the light, but leading more to this idea of chaos rules, like let chaos be here in this space and make the, make the world, make the universe a better spot rather than the darkness is here. Everything needs to come down to the final shape. Yeah. And there's, there's a really important bit that uh, I think people are of, of two opinions on um, regarding that tree uh, and the traveler's beam and Nezarek's tomb, uh, or Nezarek's casket, I guess. Uh, so the, the Tree of Silver Wings, um, as best we can tell, I think it's accurate to say that Tree of Silver Wings comes about from a meeting, uh, a location where, where light and dark energy meet, high concentrations of it meet. Um, and it does seem to be primarily a communication tool of sorts, of like kind of a giant antenna for both light and dark energy and both can utilize it to uh, communicate power or communicate messages um, as we saw with with Eris in Season of Arrivals. Um, and for Nezarak specifically, being a psychic being, I wonder if that was the antenna that he was using to be able to talk to Niamuna. I think you're right. I, I, cause that's, that's the other thing too, is, is the, the tomb itself coming out of one side of it is this weird looking structure. Like coming, yes. coming out of one side of it is very much like roots and, and trees and flowers and all that jazz. But then the opposite side of it, it like we, we, we all thought of it when we first got there, like, Oh, that's like the fletching of an, of an arrow. Like that's where the, that's where the pyramid struck. But now looking back at it again, it's almost looking like it's come in the opposite direction. Like the tree grew into this thing, and now that tree coming back into direct contact with the 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 darkness of that that 
encapsulating tomb, that that sarcophagus or coffin or whatever, it's it's jutting out the other side, and now uh, the darkness is perverting that shape of where it should just be this chaotic root, and now the darkness is like, no, it has to be perfect, it has to be exact, and so now there's all these exact right angles on it, and 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 direct lines and everything. It's it's so crazy looking. But I think you're right, Myth. I think I think that that is acting as a giant repeater system for psychic energy that is then just being broadcast directly to Niamuna, or, or maybe not directly to Niamuna, but Niamuna has the most uh, um, advanced receiver system to pick up on that because everyone lives in the, in the cloud arc and it is just a giant... Um, uh, psychic storage facility <laughs> for <laughs> yeah. everyone's conscious, right? Like that's that's where everyone lives. So it's uh, what better receiver system than uh, the the cloud arc on Niamuda, right? And and the cloud arc uh, being powered by the veil, you know, which we don't know exactly what it is, but it is a uh, we do know it is a a very uh heavy dark energy concentration specifically around psychic psychically linking everything around it that that's where strand came from that's where visible strand came from yep uh so yeah it would make sense that it would be very easy for nezarak to broadcast into that space and then try and use you know feed off the people there to reform himself before we arrive at the pyramid and, and kind of help that process along without realizing it. And, and I think uh, another, another piece of that. So regardless of if we're see if that antenna kind of grew from the tree uh, and, and this, this is the, the thing that even our raid team is kind of of two opinions on. We're not sure if the uh, casket being pierced by one of these roots is that it was fired from the traveler and it went through the casket and then landed, you know, off. Uh, and that's where the, the tree of silver wings started. Or if it was the opposite, the traveler fired, the tree started growing and one of those roots happened to grow through his casket. I, uh, and so the direction is up for interpretation, I suppose. Um, Absolutely. but I think in either way, Nezarak is being not only fed now by his normal dark energy, you know, via his his psychic means, but he's also drawing energy from that tree, which is light energy. And that is why when we have that wipe mechanic during the final fight, it can be a dark wave or a light wave. He, he, he has, has control of both. Right. He has the ability to use both. He has both energies coursing through him. And as we'll see from some of his dialogue in the raid, that seems to be something new to him. Yeah. That he did not, he was not able to do before. So, yeah. Well, and speaking of the dialogue, uh, do you want to put that in here? Like, uh, yeah. The, the, this whole time we've been in the raid, he's been talking to us and, and he makes fun of us at the very end. He's like, I'd love to continue this one sided <laughs> conversation. But he, he's been telling us things this whole time. Like, again, we, we, we heard all of his, his dialogue uh, um, uh, in our last episode where he's talking to it to us through the, the, the post campaign. Um, God, I'm trying to remember the name of the quest now. The, the where you help Rohan, 
Unfinished uh, business. Unfinished business. Yep. Uh, so he's talking to you through all that. He talks to you through the 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 new strike. Uh, it's, this whole time he's just been kind of this like headless, bodiless voice in the wind that can only talk to us, and it's creepy. Well, and all of the cloud arc, of course. Um, but yeah, so throughout the raid, he's talking, and Myth took the time to put all those together uh, so we can listen to them all in a single go and try to analyze that as a single bit rather than trying to... Because like when you're listening to it through the raid, you're like, oh, he said something here. Fuck, what did he say 10 minutes ago? Shit, there was a whole encounter in between that. I don't remember. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... <laughs> We were like, let's put all this together and have just a single bit of, of what he's saying. So myth, what is that bit that he's saying throughout the whole thing? Yeah, so there there's a lot of dialogue lines. Um, we're probably going to take a break here and there to discuss a particular interesting point. But um, but for the most part, I'll, I'll try and run the relevant sections together as, as one thing. Uh, so pretty much right off the bat, when we're getting our way to the first encounter, he's talking to us. Uh, and he starts saying, I'm glad my messages reached you. I considered you might leave me here to rot, but we both know you guardians can't resist unanswered questions or a challenge. And then after you finish the first encounter, this is the bit that suggests to me that the light energy is something new for him. He says, Oh, these sensations that tingle in my fingertips. This power is familiar yet different. Oh, it is invigorating. If I had a modicum of my original power, I would have killed one or three of those citizens to expedite your arrival. Instead, I suffer from the incompetence of these new recruits. So the, uh, you know, again, this implies to me not only is light new to him, but that the version we fight is a much weaker version than what he was in previous lives. Absolutely. I, uh, you know, if I had a modicum of my original power, so that, that suggests to me that potentially the only reason we're able to beat him in the raid is because he's, you know, for lack of a better term, new, freshly born in this body. Uh, the other thing, he does not seem to be a huge fan of the shadow Legion. Nope. Uh, nope. That, that is the primary enemy you're fighting is the shadow legion and a few tormentors here and there um but yeah the you know i suffer from the incompetence of these new recruits like he he didn't think very highly of them and uh, like i again thinking back to to callus like callus definitely has the shadow legion and, and is kind of like doing his own thing and and we talked about this during the campaign stuff where he he even like yells at the witness like who are you blah 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 and then the witness like shows him something he's like oh my god and he starts bleeding from his forehead and eyes yeah. and stuff like he's the shadow legion under callus still has kind of like its own little side motive that again once the witness got what he wanted he doesn't give a shit about what happens to them at all no and so now they're just kind of like they're just i almost feel sorry for him because now they're like they're like a people without a cause like now they're just fighting to fight now they're they're not they really have no true direction of anything other than just fight. Like at least Cabal of old days were like fight for the glory of the Cabal. Like now these right. guys are just kind of like 
they're just there. They they feel like like lost mercenaries. Yeah. I think that's a very apt. Uh, I mean, even one of the lost sectors, they're making their own fight ring because they just don't know what else to do they, with them. They don't even know what to do. Like it's so it's so sad. I I almost feel bad for the Shadow Legion. Not gonna stop so, shooting them like like well, I mean, no. you know me and Elixni and Bob and Vex and all that <laughs> stuff. Like yeah, no, I I'll still shoot a I'll still I'll still shoot a Shadow Legion. Yeah. Uh so he continues. Mm, I can hear the shifting roots across the pyramid's architecture. Taste the paracausality on my tongue. After that witch killed me and cursed my remains, I assume that's when she whisked away the veil to Neptune. The coveted key to the witness's plan and the sapid secret of its first victims. As much as I loathe her, I must applaud her efforts. As I've gathered, there was barely anything left of me for the witness to collect. Has anyone suffered from the pieces of me that they took? I wonder if I could track them down. Do you happen to know who took them? Consider the information reparations for my untimely death so we're going to pause again there i mean that 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 bit gives us honestly a ton of answers to a bunch of questions we've had <laughs> we we keep thinking of the destiny universe as a, as a as a timeline or at least i do uh and and the one event of like you cannot change this event is the collapse and that that the everything i i, I talk about it as like a like a circle of items like Nezarek, the veil Sabathun, the witness and the collapse all of that is this central point and here we get a almost almost an explanation of what the hell happened yeah the witch he's referring to i think is unmistakably Sabathun, the witch queen uh cursed him cursed curses cursed him and his body um and for reasons that we will also further explain uh took the veil that he was essentially in charge of like like that was like he he as as one of the disciples of the witness that was his like i don't want to say that was his upending but that was like a key item that he was in charge of guarding like like yes. like myth said he, he's the key general at the witness like he's the he's the head of all forces uh uh at the collapse for the witness um, and this veil is is whatever whatever it is. Now that's the that's still a little bit of questions there, but it is a key to whatever the witness needed. Which to me, if if I'm taking the key in a in a literal sense, a key to a door, and therefore thinking of of the the big triangle, the big purple psychedelic kaleidoscope triangle thing in front of the pyramid right now, being a doorway into another universe, a, a portal of some sort. Um, so that key being the way to unlock it, uh, and then of course he says she whisked it away to to Niamuna, and and she even says like all throughout all the 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 explanation of what the veil is, that's been the one key thing is that Savathun stole it and hid it away on Niamuna. Yeah. So again, leading leading more to kind of some more answers of what the hell happened in this this that period of time. Yeah, and I, I want to focus in on a line um, also. In that, so it says the coveted key to the witness's plans, describing the veil, and the sapid secret of its first victims. That part, I have, I've got no answers on that. 
So this, this uh, is all you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we can read this a couple ways, and I'm not sure what the intended way is. It's probably uh, you know by design. Um, so the first thing, sapid, uh, sapid secret, sapid uh, means to to have a good taste, to be delicious. Uh, and I don't know if that is Nezarak describing it that way because it's of psychic nature and he feeds off psychic energy. Uh, and so to him, the veil was this like delicacy to be around. Sure. Uh, or if, if it's like, oh, it's a delicious secret. It's a, you know, this, this grand and mighty information. Um, but the thing, I, it's sapid secret of its first victims. Now, the question here is, what is it? Is it the veil? Did the veil have victims in some way? Like, did it affect a, a race or a culture before it came into the possession of Nezarak and, and the witness? Uh, or is it the witness? Is, is the veil something that came from the witness's first victims? Whatever that means. Holy shit. Okay, well, that's that's not helpful. <laughs> it, it doesn't necessarily answer things, I know, but... Uh, but no, it, those, are, those are fantastic points to think of. And, and to me, like thinking on either one of those, I, I'm, I'm almost curious if it had something to do with the Scions, uh, with it being, again, in my opinion, and, and from what I can see from the game, very psychic-oriented, like is... Would that have been like the the driving force of the Oxa machine? Like, would that have been like the main source of every Scion's psychic abilities or something like that? And maybe the Scions were some of the first victims of the witness and 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 or or of the of the veil of or of Nezrek. Like, I I don't know. Like, I to me I, again, it, it's still and and maybe this is just me reading reading too much into it or or thinking too much connection with the Scions to Nezrek. Um, in both likeness and and them talking about each other, um, I don't know. It it maybe it is maybe it is part of the Scion culture or something. But I shit I I got no I answers mean, to this one, man. Yeah, I, I, the best thing we can do at this point, I think, is is make you know educated guesses. And you know, we only got one psychic race really in the game or, or, you know, that heavily, uh, invested in, in psychic energy. And that would be the scions. And we know Nezarek has ties to them. So not a stretch to think that they're related to the veil in some fashion. Yeah. But regardless, something fun to think about. Uh, and then he kind of makes this threat, you know, again, I, you know, there was barely anything left of me for the witness to collect. So presumably, the witness found the body of Nezarek after the Elixni had carved it up and were were using it as relics of power. I uh, and, and he says there that he can if he could get a piece of that, like he could connect back right. to it. And we know where all those pieces went. Like they, they they made darkness tea for Osiris. <laughs> like hopefully nature has done its course and he's worked that out of his system. <laughs> But I don't know if yeah. darkness goes through the GI tract. <laughs> would it? Like I don't know. Like I don't. I, I've never made darkness tea, man. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, no. So presumably, like he can. Which poor freaking Osiris, man. First yeah. being possessed by Sabathun. Now the the Nezarek is saying like he could possibly do that again. Like 
give this guy a damn break. Like, Jesus, what the hell? Yeah, and and he's threatening here, you know, has anyone suffered from the pieces they took? Uh, I wonder if I could track them down. Um, I, I would think Aramis would be one that would suffer from it, too, because, I mean, presumably she was in, in possession of part of it. I mean, obviously the... I mean, the, many Elixney were. Right. Like, I mean, Mithrax's mom cut everything up and just started handing them out like like trophies. And we gathered a lot of them back during... Uh, um, God, now I, I'm trying to remember the name of the season right before... Season of Plunder. Season of Plunder. Yep. Uh, we gathered them all back there and gather all those relics together and and and... And Mithrax used them up, presumably. Um, but yeah, like it, it's it, who knows how many more pieces are still out there. Yeah. So in, interesting little little bit there that he wants to know where the pieces of his body were because apparently they're useful to him. Uh, and people that have them may be suffering from something, which we know it kind of made uh, the Elixir that had them go a little bloodthirsty uh in, in like Mithrax's case but yep um but yeah so it, an interesting threat question mark but uh, as we continue on he continues to say light bearers have always seemed efficient at creating their own chaos your warlords did a masterful job of that do you enjoy Hearing the final screams of your enemies? Screams are the most delicious when they're wrenched directly from the throat. An echo that reverberates through eternity. Beautiful. So, this is just again... He's creepy. That shit's creepy as shit. (laughs) He's he's creepy. Uh, He's equating warlord, you know... Your warlords did do the same thing I do. You know, they just get a different. They get satisfaction from it too. I can just literally eat it. Uh, but this, he's aware of the warlords. Uh, so I, I wonder if, if he got information after his reser, you know, after the witness put him in a in a regeneration capsule, or if, um, if he's been conscious this entire time that he's been stuck in, in, you know, dead in, in this piece of a corpse, uh, if he's it, still had some kind been, of awareness, it could have been feeding off of the information that he got from the, the cloud arc. That's true. Know, That's very that true. Neomuna, like the, the one cloud strider that went out and saw the warlords and was like, fuck that, not dealing with that. And came back and was like, okay, secrecy, you know, cut off the rest of the universe. Yep presumably the 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 rest of the the citizens of Neomuna know of this and so then he like that would be i wouldn't yeah. say common knowledge but he could he could get that knowledge from uh the cloud arc yeah no that that would make sense uh so regardless he's equating what our dark age was to to something he would do himself uh and and this is what we were referring to this is when you come into the the third encounter uh, where again he is not a big fan of the Shadow Legion, um, supposedly referring to the boss, the cabal of this area, uh, he says, "Tear that useless sack of meat apart for me, won't you? He hasn't accomplished nearly as much as you in your short time here. Such tenacious adventurers! It's fascinating to see the lengths you'll go to reach your goals." emissaries of pain 
and death. I have been trapped for a very long time. Such a cruel fate for simply fulfilling my duties, don't you think? Free me. I want to experience this world with my new perspective. So, I'm going to pause yeah. again. Def- I... Definitely doesn't like these guys. Yeah, not not and, a huge and, fan of the Shadow Legion. And that new perspective, like he he he's he's. I'm curious if the light is, um, I, maybe not giving him ideas, but like perverting him. Like now he now he sees things through a different light. Like seeing things like oh, light and darkness, they are just tools, and I can wield both. Like why not wield both and be the ruler of this universe type thing? Like why does it have to be one side or the other? Yeah, I mean. He certainly has more power or access to different power, I should say, yeah. than what yep. he did before. Um and and at this point he's uh you know, he's saying like, Come free me, come free me. And and the uh you know, that he, he the that cabal, hasn't accomplished nearly as much as you in your short time here. Again, I think referring to the fact that we are inadvertently feeding him energy by by helping this tree grow. And he's kind of siphoning that off of the the root that has pierced through his his casket. Yep. Uh, and then we get to the actual fight with him, and uh, he has the dialogue that we've referenced a few times. He says, "Oh, a shame we can't entertain our one-sided conversations further, but this this feels too good." Guardians, let me devour your fear. And then we fight him, and we kill his ass. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then we get the shotgun twice in our first two runs. Yeah. Uh, and no one in your fire team is salty about it at all. That's uh, okay. I got my shotgun. I'm happy. I'm set. I'm yep. done. <laughs> um, but when we do deliver that final blow... Two things happen. One, he has a similar explosion as to what Rulk does, uh, where it's all this kind of dark vines explode out from his body. Uh, and he gives us the line, My memory will never extinguish. In your calmest moments, your deepest slumber, you will remember me, guardians. So kind of a little bit of a a threat of, you know, I'm not really gone. I'll, well, I'll that, always live in, in your head. And for Nezarak, living in someone's head seems to imply that he can live again because of it. Well, and, and well, yeah, yeah, because of the, the, yeah, the psychic. Well, I shoot, I was even thinking of it even more literal to like, the the idea of 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 darkness and memory like that we learned from witch queen like is there something of his body that if given the the right uh oh, memory yeah. recall thing would it just recall him yeah well and i i think it's in the lore card for the shotgun which we are going to read here um in just a minute or two i it's implied that he he has died many times. That Nezarak is 
immortal, not in the way that our guardian is immortal, where, you know, our body is reassembled, but it seems to be that he can either body hop or he can reconstruct himself if given enough time and, and energy. Uh, and that that's why um, in the line where he was referring to Savathun killed him and cursed what was left, there's a very, like, that. that's the reason. There's a very specific reason why she wanted a curse laid on him uh, that we'll see in that shotgun. Uh, but before we read that, I wanted to also dig in a little bit to Nezarak's um, actual design, the the model of the character that we get in the game. Uh, so I don't know, you know, this is outside the game, so you can read into it as much as you want. But uh, after the raid came out, they um, released a Vidoc talking about kind of how they designed the, the art of Lightfall. And uh, in there, you have um, some of the concept art that went into developing uh, the Nezarak form as we see it, which is, it, it's very, um, it's very Attack on Titan in a way where it's, uh, it's like, looks like muscle. It looks like he has no skin, Yeah, essentially. It's like you can see muscle and sinew and whatnot in uh, all, all of the body connected to uh, his head, which I assume is the original piece um, that that the witness was able to recover, and then the rest of it looks like a, as gross as it is, looks like a, a skinned body essentially. Gross. <laughs> I I I only have one question for this section. Yes. Why does Why does he have hands for feet? <laughs> if you look at Rook at it or not Rook, sorry. Uh, if you look at Nezarek at any point in time and you look at his, if you get a chance to see his feet, he has opposable thumbs and it's really off-putting and freaky and lends more to that nightmare thing of <laughs> him having hands for feet and it's freaky. And that's what, that's, there's my, wow. there's my, there's my input to that. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the, it's creepy is probably why it was chosen from a design aspect. Yeah. Um, but what we learn and I, I think this is interesting. What we learn from that concept art and specifically kind of the notes in the margins of the concept art around Nezarak is that he, uh, specifically they're referring to his multiple eyes, but I think it, it is for everything, um, you know, the, the whole body design. He is a chimeric being. He is a being, uh, you know, chimera being made up of many parts. Oh, okay. Uh, and interestingly enough, so is Rulk. In Rulk's uh, concept art, there's similar notes of Rulk is implied to be a chimera of sorts, uh, which makes me wonder if, if Rulk's body was also pieced together from different, different designs, different creatures uh, by the witness. And I think... That's what all the oh. dark vines are that are coming out is the power that it's was keeping those bodies together. together. Oh my yeah. God. And that would, that would lead credence to the final shape, like take the best bits of whatever and put it into the final thing. Oh my God. That just, that just made a ton of sense. I want to, I want to, I want to know. So now I've got another question then. I, I've got my answer on, on why he has opposable toes. Uh, why, why the pot belly? 
why why the, why the dad bod? <laughs> like, is this is this dad is this is this Rook Senior? Is that what is that what we're trying to imply here? He's he's got a little got a little got a little beer keg belly on him. I I I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I I it it's it humanizes him, right? Like it it makes him feel like he's part of that like like he's a real thing. Like, hey, yeah. This is this is this is an entity in the game, but has also been here for you know centuries or whatever millennia, and he he's very much it, it's it's I don't say it's like the polar opposite of of Rook. Like Rook has this very like um, Enderman or Slenderman look to him. Like he's super thin and just stringy bits and bayonetta legs and 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 now there's now there's this big beasty. Uh, Daddy Nezzy, who's who's, you know, ready to, ready to kick in some tea. He'd been around for a hot second, like he's been around pro- possibly longer than Rook, uh, and 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 knows his way around a, a a fight, and now has this new power of light and darkness to to kick teeth in, and and yeah, it's God, they nailed they nailed it, they nailed this aesthetic on on these two. They they did. They're really cool. Um. And they're they're related enough that you can kind of see some design through lines, but they're very unique in their own right. Yeah. And I I don't I think one read, and I I can see where it's coming from is that like yeah you know, it's it's the pot belly it's the the beer belly kind of thing. <laughs> um, perhaps though what they were going for I uh, and and you know I don't know anything about this profession, so apologies in advance if I'm butchering it. But I uh, if you've ever seen the strongman competitions, like the Icelandic strongman competitions. Oh, I, sure. Those guys are incredibly strong. You know, they're, they're lifting things. Could not imagine myself doing. I, uh, but they don't have the like stereotypical Hollywood, you know, washboard abs kind of like they, they are just very thickly muscled. I, yeah. uh, and if someone were to look at them and not necessarily know that you know their cap their physical capabilities, I could see someone kind of being like, "Yeah, they don't look as in shape as the you know as the the uh, Hollywood actors of the world, as the Chris Hemingsworths worths of the world and whatnot." But in actuality, they probably put them to shame as far as what they can actually do. I see, I see that almost almost having like Nezarek have this like not not false sense of security but like you look at him as this this dad bod guy like oh i can take him down and then he comes and wrecks your shit and you're like oh god what was i thinking I, yeah, <laughs> yeah no i i i can follow that train of thought so i uh, yeah and that that is the conclusion of the raid you have defeated nezarak he has delivered all the dialogue lines we just discussed and the raid is now over yay but that still leaves a lot of questions like what the hell is like we have a little bit of Nezarek, but there's gotta be more than that. Yeah, so now it comes down to who the heck is this Nezarek guy? Why is he so scary? And uh how has he affected the world outside of this this one interaction with him? Um and so we're gonna dive into that a little bit. I uh, as far as the history of Nezarak, um, we get bits and pieces. There, There is no concrete, like, 
this is who he is, and this is where he came from, and this is what he did. So we're kind of just piecing it together from reports elsewhere. It's it's not as complete as like uh, like what Rooks was, right? Like the entire story of right. Lebreu and all that. Like this, the, his his history is very fragmented. Yeah, Nazarek didn't write his own memoirs like Rook did. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what Rook what Rook did. That's <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah, I'm following. So, um, we know for sure. Nazarek has been around the solar system since pre-Golden Age. We know that from the Nazarek Sin Helmet because it describes uh, the book at which the passage of the lore card of that helmet comes from as uh, the book title is Of Hated Nazarek, a pre-Golden Age text. So he's been around since before the Golden Age in the solar system. Yep. What he was doing there other than building a cult? Hard to say. Uh, however, Ido gets a little bit more information for us from uh, Season of the Plunder, the end of Season of the Plunder. Uh, and she tells us that uh, what we know from secondhand accounts is that Nezrak led the Witnesses' first assault on Earth, or as humans call it, the Collapse. After the great machine repelled the attack, Nezarak's pyramid crash-landed on your moon. Beyond that, the sources are vague. They hint at a process for harnessing his power, but give no instructions. If we could replicate this ancient methodology, there's no telling what we might accomplish. She continues uh, in the, the following week. So that was from Relic 7. When you give Relic 8 during Season of the Plunder, um, she says that uh, an ancient dirge I discovered described something called the Curse of Nezerak, which is rumored to drain the life of the user of these relics. Maybe that's why he wants to get pieces back? Maybe so. And he, he specifically says, has anyone suffered from having, having those pieces? Now, I don't know if that's just the bloodlust, if that's the, like... Oh, like you know, the like the side effect of it type thing, right? Or if there's something more, if there's a further curse of Nazarak that we need to be concerned about, uh, keep but, keep an eye on Osiris <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Um, but Ido is telling us that uh, he was the one that led the assault on Earth during the collapse, according to records she was able to find. Now she doesn't know why his pyramid went down. She just knows that, you know, the great machine repelled the invasion because we're all still here. Spo spoiler alert, the universe didn't end. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and in that, you know, she's assuming that part of that repelling the attack caused his pyramid to crash land. But we have a little more insight into what caused his pyramid to crash or what caused him to no longer have control of his pyramid, perhaps. So this comes to us from the Conditional Finality, which is the exotic uh, shotgun that drops in the Root of Nightmares raid. I, for some people, apparently, has a 100% drop rate. <laughs> for some people, it has a 100% drop rate. So far. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so the lore card on this shotgun, though, 
is really, really cool. Uh, and it shows us exactly what happened in those, uh, those moments of confrontation between uh, Savathun and Nezarek. And so it is narrated from the point of, uh, point of view of Nezarek, and it reads, The sound that escaped me resembled a roar, a psychic echo. It soared through the air and pierced every corner of my ship. Anger coursed through me as I toppled, the ground, toppled to the ground in a heap. I wheezed with each breath and clutched at my chest, and I watched that witch saunter out like she'd won. My ship rumbled as she wrested her primordial prize from it. I felt hatred, deep, unchallenged hatred. My claws punctured the floor, etching new patterns into it, and I dragged myself forward. Whispers danced around me, trillions of voices melded together in my favorite symphony. I had always welcomed death, and this time would be no different. And then an agonizing sensation shot through me. It was as if an arrow had bored its way through my chest and it burned, and I collapsed among the rubble. A green hue enveloped me. I was unfamiliar with this, her magic festering within me, shackling me. My body twisted, my breath grew thin, my limbs became heavy, torturous. No, she could not hold me, I would not allow it. This would not be my end. My witness, I whispered, as the void I once commanded claimed me. And that's the end of that card. I mean, yeah, she. <laughs> I mean, she's shown that she has command over cursing bodies. Like, I mean, that was the whole thing she did with Osiris, uh, and then and then subsequently was able to teleport him and put his body back in in the right spot. Uh, yeah, no, she like hive magic is pretty strong, um, and especially when it's coming from like the queen of deception, like the, the witch queen to have to, to put a curse on something like that's Yeah. That's nothing to mess around with. Um, it does still, it does still kind of confuse me though. Um, he talks about this void I once commanded. I, I mean, is he, is he talking like void light? Like why does the darkness have so much, uh, I don't know, usability. With void yeah. light. It it is interesting. Um, so yeah, he's implying that he had access to to void before this. Uh and the tormentors, who are all modeled after him, um, also have access to to void specifically. Yep. I uh, and you know, void has been a a light power or, or associated with the light uh up until up until now. So Perhaps that specific facet of light was something he was able to use before, but not all of it. Um, or maybe void is kind of in the middle where it can it can go either way. Um, well, and thinking of it like gravity, like it's 
Yeah, I I can see where you where where your where your train of thoughts going with that. Yeah. Well, and you know maybe maybe there's more than one route of access to what we refer to as void energy, uh, because even listening to um, you know uh, Osiris describes uh, Ikora's description of how to access and use void, and it is to um, recognize essentially it's it's meditation and to recognize emptiness and then to become that emptiness to then be able to wield it in the form of of void energy and we know dark uh is very much linked to emotions and to that mental plane of existence um and maybe Although we're manipulating void via light, you know, perhaps you can still access it via dark by getting to that that mental state of emptiness of of you know, I uh, and and he even and that that would that would make sense for for Nezrak because he is such a psychic being, you know, perhaps it's very easy for him to access those different mental states. Yeah. Uh, now. I- Com- completely winging it here. There's nothing to suggest one way or the other, but <laughs> other that than kind of video makes game, sense to me. He now has void, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I like it. Yeah, I like that. I like that idea of of void being kind of that, like not not quite physical, not quite mental. Like maybe it's a maybe it's a little bit of both, and yeah. and and maybe 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 all of our light abilities. Um, are a little bit of both because I mean again think of it as as paracausal. It, it we are we are manipulating light the light in ways that we understand, and we as yeah. humans understand the physics of the universe. Whereas like the metaphysics of the universe is where the wit like the witness is seeing all of this as a dream as a as a as a false space like it's like endless possibilities exist within this space. And so to be able to use things like darkness, like strand and, and stasis, um, and apparently void for Nezarek and, and the tormentors, it's, it's a, it's, it's still looking at it through that metaphysical, um, eye and seeing the, the psychic, uh, the psyche of the universe, uh, working as one. Nezarek, what we know for sure, around pre-Golden Age, has a, a cult and a religious text the of hated Nazarek text mm-hmm. um, gets his power from pain and nightmares uh, seemingly feeding on the emotion, the literal psychic emotions of pain and nightmares. I uh, has died many times before, but was cursed in this last death at Savathun's hands to not allow him to uh, move on from that death. Presumably either because he no longer had control of it or Savathun crashed it or, you know, for whatever reason, his pyramid crashed into the moon and was was down there. Well, it, it sounded like the, the veil was like powering his ship. Perhaps. Uh, hard to say if it was powering the ship or if it was just like he was the guardian of it kind of thing or, or what exactly was happening. But um, in either way, yeah, Savathun left with the veil. It ended up on Neptune through one way or another. We're still not exactly sure of what that process was. Uh, 
But yeah, his ship crash landed on the moon. Um, his body was eventually his body with him still in it now, as we we understand, uh, was discovered by the Elixni by by Misrax's mother, um, carved up, and those pieces were used as as relics uh, of dark power, uh, until eventually they were put off into various tombs or. Um, and I, I do think, so there's reference of the, the drifter in the fourth tomb of Nezarak. Uh, I'm not going to read it cause it's, it's quite lengthy and not, not exactly relevant, uh, to Nezarak in specifically, but, uh, the gift of cruelty ship that dropped with Lightfall as well, uh, is the drifter actually going to that tomb and he describes it as being of Elixni origin. I. Uh, and so it does seem like the tombs and, and he's acquiring essentially a canopic jar, uh, from there. So I do think the tombs were, um, for the different pieces of Nezarak's body. Um, we had theorized at one point, maybe they were previous bodies of his, if he can, you know, survive through a death, uh, or come back from a death. But, uh, I don't think that's the case after all. Yeah, I think you're right. It, with him being described as as Elixni origin, it's they're they're almost like temples rather than tombs. Yeah. Uh so the kind of one thing that we're now uh left with is his final message to us of, you know, I will continue. I, you know, you you will remember me. And I truly think that's all it takes that somebody knows who Nazarak was and is thinking about him is all it takes for him to eventually rebuild himself, to eventually be able to uh, piece his consciousness back together and then form a body. Very yeah. slow, hopefully, but uh, still possible. And so now the question becomes this cult that has this religious text of hated Nazarak. What's their deal? Yeah. How do they tie into all this? And I, I think how they tie into it is what better way to make sure you will survive in someone's thoughts somewhere than to turn yourself into a deity for a group. Makes sense. Like they're they're going to actively be thinking about you and you know perhaps pledging or praying to you in some way. Like if all you need is for someone to remember you, it's a pretty good way to to keep it going. Yeah. We see an interaction uh, with some of these cult members through the raid armor sets. Uh, and additionally, the sparrow that you get um, that is tied to the raid. I believe you get that from a triumph, but it's, it, it, it's uh, very much modeled after the, the raid. Um, equipment and such. Uh, and even as you're going through, some of the weapons that you're seeing uh, are names similar to Kingsfall. You know, uh, Rufus's Fury, Michael's Reverence, Nessa's Ablation. Um, and they do not have lore cards, but they do have flavor text on them. Uh, but the names in particular are worth, of, worth noting because these are the names of the acolytes of uh the cult of Nezarak. And so we get the very uh kind of beginnings 
of the uh, the the cult, uh, kind of our view into the cult on the sparrow, which is entitled the Dream Demon, uh, which again is probably just another name for Nazarek themselves. And the flavor text on it says, feed your fear to the fiend. Allow your nightmares to fuel his inevitable return, which is quoted as a passage of, of hated Nezarak. So their religious text is saying, be afraid of him and feed him that fear, and that will allow him to return. So even in their religious text, they have some notion of if we feed him emotions it will you know it will resurrect him he'll he'll never die type thing yeah uh so the lore card for it is a little peek into this particular cult uh and it goes like this michael was sweating i noticed it when i woke him from a deep slumber the night of his 18th birthday it was late, almost the time of nightmares, and tonight I would pull back the curtain. The leather-bound tome I dropped on the table made him jump, and I could tell by the, way, by the way he blinked at me under the basement's singular light that he was lost, confused, and afraid. I smiled. Nightmares are not to be feared. I said. My hands ran over the ornate shapes on the tome's cover, the symbols of an ancient being, and I slowly opened the latches. The book itself appeared to breathe. He has haunted slumbers long before the Golden Age, and with every new generation he tests our worthiness, our loyalty. I flipped to a page filled with an image, corner to corner, weighted by layers of charcoal and blood. A lock of hair was sewn to the tome's gutter. The text on the next page also shimmered crimson. Tonight, you will carry on our legacy, I stated. Before Michael could muster the breath to argue or ask questions, the sound of rattling chains filled the room. Michael turned and peered into the darkness at the back of the room, and the soft chitters of an elixni I'd captured earlier that day joined the metal chorus as it tugged at its restraints. I led him forward and lit the sconces on the wall, revealing the prisoner in question. Michael looked up at me, eyes wide and tearful. Extract its fear. I instructed. And that's the end of that card. That's not freaky as shit. No, that's perfectly <laughs> normal. Yeah, that's fine. We're just going to kidnap an 18-year-old and have them torture something and you know, torture an elixir in a chamber to feed, feed this thing fear. Yeah, no, that's, that's fine. Everything's yeah. fine. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, what the hell? What the hell? And uh, and Michael is uh, one of the not acolyte even the leader of the acolytes that is referenced in the raid guns. Uh, Michael's reverence and uh, the flavor text for that says pain, fear, sacrifice, feed the fiend. Yeah, uh, 
And so, you know, this is where he learned those lessons from presumably the cult leader at this time uh, of this is how we, we provide that's how uh, we keep Nezarak going type thing. To Nezarak, yeah. Yeah. And and I, I guess this is another question. Since this is all coming from pre-Golden Age, we're we're making an assumption that all of these are human. Um all of these being the names on the guns? Yes. All of these disciples are are human disciples, or all these cult members are human cult members. Right? Is that the is that the thought here? I, I think I think it, it does seem to mostly deal with humans. Um there there are some some things we'll see that are not purely human. I I do think the pre-Golden Age text, the the like of hated Nazarak text, appears to be uh have its origins in Earth, in pre-Golden okay. Age Earth, as as far as we can tell. Okay. Um but yeah, we'll we'll actually see with this this very next card, or this very next set, that it the cult ex- doesn't uh, doesn't rely on a particular race. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're gonna go through the warlock set first. Uh, we're gonna start with the mask of detestation, and I love that each of these sets it describes an emotion. Uh, that you can maybe attribute to the person that it is talking about. Uh, so this is f- the Warlock set follows the story of the acolyte of Nezarak, Acacia. And it starts. The jungle density was oppressive and threatened to keep inexperienced explorers from traversing it. Though I had never never navigated such a biome, I did not let it deter me. The humidity, the bugs, the overgrowth, I endured them all. I knew she was here. Her trail was almost impossible to find, let alone follow, but she was close. A few days passed before I stumbled on a cave hidden by wild and unwieldy bushes. Even in the cover of night I could see her there, collecting berries. I snapped a twig under my foot, and she spun palm alight in a purple aura, her singular eye trained on me, and I raised my hands immediately. I, I mean no harm. I'm just a traveler looking for a place to lay my head for the night. I am unarmed. I waited patiently, careful not to move an inch as she searched my body for anything that could cause her harm. When she found nothing but a tome in my bag, she considered me with a cautious pause, one hand still bright purple. Then she gave a quick nod and walked toward her camp within the cave. The fire she kept was small but warm, and once we finished eating, she smothered it with some dry dirt. I leaned my head against a wooden log and closed my eyes. Some time passed before I finally heard her shift. She had turned to lie on her back, and I fixed my eyes on the scion before me and waited. And that's the end of the helmet lore card. I was going to ask if it was a scion, and that answered it. There you go. The pur- purple hand <laughs> thing kind of gave it away, like scions running around with purple hands booping people in the air. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a dead giveaway, but yeah. 
Okay. So Scion, uh, presumably uh, pre-Cabal uh, Scion, um, and whoever this explorer traveler person is. Yeah. Hard to say if it's pre-Cabal. It, it could just be a Scion that has, you know, has uh, escaped, has abandoned. Oh, post. sure, sure, sure. sure. Um, but yeah, it, we don't really have a good, a good time frame for it. Uh, but it continues with the warlock gloves. Uh, and they say, I waited until I heard her troubled breathing and whimpers before I got up. As I approached, my eyes settled on her sleeping face. It was difficult to get a good look in the dark. Moonlight barely trickled into the cave. She writhed. It was a nightmare. One of his. It had to be. I reached out for her, and my fingers found the flesh of her arm. And in an instant, I was wrapped in a whirlwind. The overwhelming screams, the voices, the haunting imagery of his face, the very essence of fear. I couldn't rip myself away from it. I was right. It was him. A purple blast came from her hand and hit me, and I landed with a rough thud, and before I knew it, she was standing over me. Her breath was loud, and her body language read angry with the way the energy from her hands radiated up her arms, and I gazed up wide-eyed. I'm sorry, I managed, hands up again. I'm looking for him, for Nezarek. And you are the first being I've found that has come into contact with him outside of my family. She remained defensive. I simply want to see his power, to see what your experience was like with him. At this, her demeanor softened, but only slightly. We had come to an understanding. She backed up and sat on the log, and I cautiously got to my feet and joined her. Please, I begged. And after a long pause, she looked at me. I held her gaze until my vision was suddenly warped somewhere else. And that's the end of that lore card. Yeah, that's that's not that's all right. Yeah, we're gone past normal now. You don't you don't <laughs> see something that freaky and go. Oh, I just want to see him. I just want to talk. I just want to talk. I just want to talk. He did the same thing to my family. I just want to talk to him. No, no, this is this is reading revenge all day long. Like, yeah, somebody's hunting Nezarek. This is, this doesn't seem like a I just want to talk type thing. Yeah. So this continues in the warlock robes, which is always a big fan of. The oh my arms god! <laughs> I freaking love them. If you're listening to this right now. Take a second, pause this, go find the go find the warlock robes. Uh, myth, what's the name of them? Uh, robes of detestation. Robes of detestation, and and just take a second to check them out and tell me they are not the most glorious. Uh, they they are the greatest. They're the greatest looking uh, warlock chess piece. No, the greatest looking chess piece in the game. It it it's, it it has it. You get two extra arms. I'm just going to ruin it for you now. You get two extra arms. You have four arms with this robe. It's awesome. It's it's great. I respect the <laughs> artist's <laughs> expression that made them, and I think they they executed what they were looking for very, very well. Uh, 
it is not for me. <laughs> Two hours of Zora running around going, I'm going to get you with my little hands. <laughs> yeah, I think Myth's over yeah. these robes. I mean, I was over them before you got them, and now I'm really over them. Uh, it's, oh, I love them. Okay, continue. <laughs> so, but they do have a really cool lore card, which continues this story. And it says, The structure I find myself in resembles a simple, quaint home. It's small, filled with decorations, donning symbols I do not recognize. At the center of the room, two scions sleep peacefully among a stack of blankets and pillows, and I watch the memory unfold from one of the corners. Acacia, the name echoes in my mind. Her name. From behind me, a sinister presence stirs. Goosebumps dart over my skin in familiar whispers, ones I have heard plenty of times in my life, increase in volume. I turn to look at the home's entrance, and it is consumed in darkness, windows and all, and I wait with bated breath. A ring of eyes materializes in the window. Nezarek. At the sound of his name, the shadows from the window expand and devour all the light in the room. Acacia and the other scion are the only figures I can see. Darkness oozes down toward them, and I watch intently, unable to take my eyes off the spectacle. A hand forms, claws outstretch his arm and then his face. The shape of his two-horned headpiece, the ring of eyes, the cacophony of hisses and screams fills the void while the two remain fast asleep. And Nezarek reaches for the scion sleeping beside Acacia. The tips of his claws drag down across the skin only to stop at his closed eye. And the darkness swirls and Nezarek vanishes, leaving nothing but moonlight and that's the end of that lore card yeah you you don't hunt something like like you don't go ask that thing questions this this, this feels like a hunt like it, god this thing is freaky but the, the the ring of eyes though like uh i think somebody at one point uh which god help this person uh during the the final encounter with Nezarek in the raid took a sniper and sniped in on his face and you can see he has like 30 or it's not 30 but he has a ring of eyes like it's not yeah. just a single eye there like yeah it's it, and they, they all have different like it, it, it like one looks like a cat's eye and one looks like a fish eye and one looks like like it, it looks like this this like what you're saying this like it, the the best bits of everything all squished into one yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's freaky. Yeah, and so what what we're viewing here, from my interpretation of the lore cards up till this point, is Acacia is this scion that he has found, you know, hiding out in the cave, and she, as scions can do, is sharing the psychic memory of her interactions with Nezarak that led her up to you know where she is now. So he's yep. he's seeing. I guess Nezarek's first visit, and it wasn't to Acacia; it was to uh, presumably her her partner or, or this other scion she was living with. Yep. Uh, and so we now go onward to the boots, I, uh, and the boots of detestation. Say this. 
He was chosen. The phrase repeats throughout the rest of Acacia's memory. The words bounce around the walls of my mind, and it becomes hard to focus. Different voices flood in, mixing with hers, different inflections, all different scions. He had been chosen. A watch, I watch a group of large, ornately dressed scions enter Acacia's home in the dead of night, and they exchange loud, indiscernible words and restrain her. Anguished sounds leave her as she watches them take her partner away. He is powerful. He will sate Nezarak for a long time. Be thankful he was chosen. The different phrases begin to blend haphazardly. The memory slowly fades, and the images bleed into one another until I see a group of scions at the center of the chaos. Seated among them is Acacia's partner and I feel the weight of her pain on my chest. And darkness creeps in. Hundreds of claws rip and shred at the edges of the memory, and Acacia's pained wails join Nezarak's symphony. Her partner jolts in different directions as if his body is being ripped apart. A purple hue envelops him, and he rises from his seat, levitating off the ground. Dark tendrils attach themselves to his shadow to siphon his power. He lets out a pained shout. And suddenly, my reality warps again, and I am thrust back into the real world. The dizziness hits me like a crashing wave, and I lean over the log and throw up. And that's where this one ends. Jesus. Yeah, Nezarak bad, yo. Yeah, so it, it seems that Nezarak in the dead of night, uh, presumably this is this is Scion culture. This is wherever the Scions were yep. pre-Cabal. Uh, it seems Nezarak, if we're following the thought that he was a god that they worshipped, would find a particularly strong Scion, uh, you know, particularly strong psychic uh, psychic connection to a scion and would mark them and would say this this is the one that i want bring, and then, bring this before me therefore i may feast exactly and and this group of ornately dressed scions yeah, you yeah. Know, presumably uh, a precious or, or something yeah yeah um would go and find this marked person and and essentially make them a sacrifice that's that's so fucked up. Like that's, I mean, that's exactly what's happening. But Jesus, yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, it was Acacia's partner that was chosen, and um, that that was her connection to Nezarak was yep. was him choosing. He took uh, my partner, this and, person, and fed off his psychic abilities or his his psychic uh, connection, and presumably died. Um, presumably which then i i'm which led uh acacia to just get the hell away from the scions like the if this if this is if this is eventually going to be if this is my partner's fate who's to say this isn't going to be my fate eventually yeah right no that's yeah which which oddly enough like even that level of fear from a psychic being like nezra could feed off of that so it's like god it's it's like exponential feeding yeah and uh, and we see we kind of see some of that in the final bit of this from the bond, uh, and so it ends. Another, another good looking piece of gear with multiple <laughs> hands on it. Another freaky piece of gear is what you I mean. Love it, love it. Uh, so this one reads: 
The hatred Acacia felt for her people and Nezerak permeated every inch of the cave. I didn't know what to say. She knew what it meant to be touched by Nezerak, though I would have preferred her partner, Acacia, would have to suffice. I understand your pain, I said, and I reached out to touch her shoulder. She flinched, and her eyes snapped to my face. I know you feel hatred towards him, but that's good. And Acacia got to her feet, the purple glow covering her hands once more. He rewards those that survive his torment. You know his power, his nightmare needs to live on, I said gently and stood up to gaze at her. Acacia looked agitated, impatient. I reached for my bag and she extended her hand defensively. We held each other's gaze for a moment. I slowly pulled it home from my bag and placed it gently on the log. And I flipped the pages until I found an image of a familiar, two-horned being. My family has worshipped him for a long time, I told her. And Acacia looked down at the pages. Keep that hatred alive. That's what he wants. And I sensed her apprehension. If you help me bring him back to this plane, show him you are willing to serve. He might just let your partner go, I added. And it was difficult to tell what she was feeling. But after placing her hand on the tome, she affixed to the cover's image, and I knew she would be desperate enough to try anything. And that's the end of that lore card and the warlock set. Oh, it's not, she's not hunting him. She's hunting Acacia. Oh. So this is, this is somebody that is trying to find others that they can get to follow and feed Nezarak. Oh, Uh, man. I was thinking, oh, okay, this scion's going to get pissed and kill this lady for trying to hunt her. Nope, nope, nope. (laughs) This is a disciple. This is somebody actively helping Nezarek and like, oh, hey, there's another scion that ran off. Yeah, we we could use this one too. Let's go. We already got our partner. Like, now we got a bargaining chip. Yeah, no. Oh. Oh. Uh, And it's not stated, but I think it's probably a pretty uh, safe bet that this is Michael. That yeah. is the leader yeah. of the acolytes that has approached uh, Acacia and is trying to recruit her. And re- remind me what his what his uh, his gun's name is. Uh, Michael's reverence. Okay. Yep. Yep. I, I I'm following now. Yeah. Yeah. Hold holding Nezarek to like like yeah that reverent yeah nope I'm following yeah I'm following my family has worshipped him for a long yep. time yeah yep. uh, however Acacia also has a gun. Uh, named after her, and it is Acacia's Dejection. And interestingly, all of the different guns have their their flavor text, and it is signed with the name, comma, Acolyte of Nezarak, except for hers. Oh, Hers does not say Acolyte of Nezarak. It just says the line, do not believe their lies, run. Oh, shit. Like the one, like the one, like calm in the storm, or, or like the one, the one voice of reason among a sea of of 
chaos and and yeah. oh oh might be the great might be the greatest trace rifle in the game. <laughs> uh, it is a trace rifle, so yeah. I'm, I'm just saying it's uh, reconstruction incandescent. Pretty nice. Pretty, pretty, pretty nice. nice. 100 aim assist, <laughs> 95 plus uh, stability. Pretty nice. Pretty nice. But uh, so, yeah, either Acacia joined for a time and, you know, regretted it and is, is trying to communicate a warning or she was tempted but did not join and fled. And, you know, we're, we're also seeing that same warning from, from that. Uh, but so... That concludes the Warlock set. Now we can look at the Hunter set, which is another disciple uh, focused, and they also have a gun. Um, and this one is Acolyte of Nezarek Caraxes. And this seems to be a little closer, whereas the other one, we weren't really sure time frame wise where that one lands, uh, as far as like, when did the scion live? Um, was it Michael that approached them or was it an earlier acolyte to try and, uh, recruit them? This one though, um, implies that it's much more recent. And so this is the trepidation set and it starts. The reef's labyrinth of asteroids and debris provided many a hideout for those who wished to be lost, and a potential gathering place for those that partook in less savory acts. A large catch had set up among the debris, on a random asteroid of its captain's choosing, and had opened for business, supposedly as a bar. The music bumped in the clientele, Elixney pirates, were as rowdy as they were ruthless. Caraxus sat at a table with his head resting in his upper hands, his cup held in the lower, exhausted. He hadn't taken a sip since he'd sat down, and he hadn't noticed that an imposing captain, flanked by two smaller dregs, had entered the bar. The captain started towards his table. Where's the relic? The captain, now towering over the table, chittered in their shared tongue. Caraxus visibly tensed and gripped his cup so tightly that the cloth woven around his palm strained. I don't have it, he responded. Before Caraxus could register what happened, the captain had snatched him from his seat, and despite being loosely labeled captain by his own crew, Caraxus was nowhere near the size of the elixir before him, and his feet dangled in the air. Pathetic. Not worthy of your crew. Yeah, right? Caraxus agreed, defeat evident in his tone. The captain's words were venomous, but not as impactful as the fist that collided with Caraxus's face. The other patrons scattered, and a blur of insults and fists erupted. A faint chorus of ethereal laughter swelled beneath the violent chaos. That's the end of that one. So def definitely uh, uh, sorry to say whirlpool, uh, whirlwind <laughs> time frame. Yeah, well, searching for the the relic, I'm assuming this is a relic of Nezarak. Yeah. Um. So yeah, perhaps during the uh when they've arrived in the soul system or when they're still on the long drift. Regardless, uh oh, long drift, not whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. 
Whirlwind uh, is their collapse, not yeah. sorry, during the long drift, during the yep. pirate days uh of the Elixty people, uh presumably while they were in the uh soul system. Yeah. Uh perhaps even most recently, because we know there there are still pirate crews out there. So it oh, could sure, be more sure. recent than that even. But yeah. Uh at, at the very least, it's an Elixney pirate. Yeah. Um, and this a faint chorus of ethereal laughter swelled beneath the violent chaos. Nezarek is the god of nightmare and pain. Oh, and he did take a uh, a fist to the face. Yeah, and essentially it looks like started a bar fight. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I could see Nezarek enjoying that. Yeah. Um. So this one continues with the hunter gloves, uh, the grips of trepidation. That say. The slow drag of Caraxes's injured leg made the trek back to his empty ship longer than it had been before. The persistent exhaustion made itself known between each pang of pain that jolted through him. He was thankful the captain's beating had been interrupted by another patron's fist long enough for him to skitter away, but the paranoia of being tracked lingered. It felt as if an unseen force hovered behind him. Caraxes pushed onward and kept his gaze forward. When he made it to his ship, the airlock hissed open and revealed a dark space within. He ignored his usual precautions, too focused on the unbearable pain in his limbs. The hammock he'd fashioned for himself called to him, and he collapsed into it. It didn't exhale until he found a comfortable enough position. Sleep found him as soon as he closed his eyes the fastest he'd achieved it in days. Forced insomnia and a surprise beating had taken its toll. And then there was a knock on the door. The moment Caraxes heard the rap on the metal, he reached for the gun on the shelf beside his hammock. He approached the door with the most delicate footsteps he could manage, a heaviness weighing down on every part of him. And he hesitated, eyes fixed on the rusted metal. Rap, tap, tap, went the door, and the door creaked open, and he immediately aimed down his sights at nothing. Confusion crept into his mind as something hit him, hard. Caraxes scrunched, his four eyes shut, he was flung backwards and braced for impact, but it never came. Caraxes opened his eyes, expecting to see the walls of his catch, but instead... He saw the lunar pyramid, sleek and dark. And that's the end of that letter card. Definitely, definitely was summoned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we continue with Caraxes on the chess piece. Caraxes instinctively moved toward the pyramid, an echo of a journey he wanted desperately to forget. The pyramid peeked over the edge of the chasm, a foreboding sight. It was complemented by a stillness that filled the area and made him feel as if he were on the edge of suffocating. He remembered how he carefully traversed the jagged path. It seemed as if the pyramid was pulling him in. Everything felt familiar, including the paranoia, but something was off. The architecture wobbled and shifted with every step he took. Statues felt as though their heads turned to watch him. Faint whispers danced around the room and faded 
before they could be comprehended. The air was thick with anxious anticipation, with fear. Caraxes retread familiar hallways and staircases until suddenly, without realizing, he had stepped into the innermost chamber. His chamber. The whispers grew louder as he approached the body, slumped over and shrouded in shadow at the center of the room. Hisses, yells, and fervent but unintelligible phrases all blended as Caraxes moved closer. The corpse had been picked clean, barely anything left outside the vague shape of a body underneath the cloak. Be it the threat of curses or sheer fear, his head had remained untouched. The whispers grew louder and closer. Caraxes got right up to the entity's face. His entire body shook as he stared down at the darkened helmet. A ring of eyes pronounced even in the low light. And despite the same dread that filled him, Caraxes followed through with the familiar actions and carefully removed one of the eyes. The room shook violently, and before he could safely stow the piece away, he toppled over. He closed his eyes and braced for impact. And that's the end of that lore card. This is... Oh, shit, man. You, I think you might. This might be even more recent. Like, so I'm, I'm guessing that Caraxes was part of the initial crew that carved up Nezarak's body. Yeah. Uh, so I think he was there with Misrax's mother yeah. when they were taking pieces, and it sounds like he decided to take an eye. Yeah, that's that can't be good. That that can't be good. I mean, we had fingers and thumbs and toes and whatnot, but I mean, especially like, especially for like a psychic being, I feel like an eye is like, yeah. And he's got multiple <laughs> eyes. Like, he could probably, Nazareth he, could probably stand to lose one or two. Like, he could probably. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's, I'm sure. It's, it's fine. It's fine. The other eight will compensate. It's it's fine. Yeah, but he's he's being forced to relive that memory of going yeah. into the pyramid and, and doing this thing. So, so presumably he has stolen this eye before. Is that is that kind of the Well, I, I think I think he's dreaming. He's uh, remembering right. himself carving the eye out, uh, which might still be in his possession. Ah, okay. Yeah, you know, the, the other captain was asking him, like, where's the relic? And he was feigning ignorance. maybe right. he has it still. Right. Yep. Nope. I'm following. I'm following. Almost, almost like he was there and saw what Mithrax's mom did, and then knew that that meant something, and then went back after the fact, and was like, "Oh, I'm going to take one more piece for myself." I see. Yeah. What's, okay. I'm following. I'm following. Greedy ass freaking pirates. <laughs> this is what happens when you take the extra. We take the extra piece from the chest. That's you. You get cursed. Yep. You get cursed. Uh, so this continues in the legs. And they say, The energy of the crew bustled. Caraxus opened his eyes, revealing the vastness of space beyond the nearby porthole, and a dozen or so elixni partaking in various activities. The air was heavy with tension, hushed tones, and cautious movements as they maneuvered around the deck. Caraxus was quiet, as he had been the first time. The weight and power of the item he had liberated heavy in his palm, and it pulsed, 
The world had changed. Another familiar moment. Things aren't looking well, Captain, a dreg whispered to Caraxus. He remembered his conversation, but did not recognize the dreg's tone. It sounded out of place. The dreg leaned a bit closer, eyes darting between his shipmates, his voice now deeper than before. Our food is low, the ship needs repairs, the crew is worried it might be cursed. Then they can leave, Caraxus snapped. It was automatic, but like his trek through the pyramid. The dreg hesitated in surprise. Caraxus blinked, no longer surrounded by his crew or their voices. He suddenly found himself again in his quarters. It was dark, the type of darkness that felt as if it would devour him. Caraxus sat at the table by his hammock, just him in the eye. He stared at it, and it stared back. A book of magic laid beside it now, a frantic solution to an unexpected problem. The ritual was simple, or so he thought. He was barely able to translate the text on his own, but was too stubborn, too scared to ask for help. He grasped a pointed crystal in his hands. Words left his mouth, but he couldn't hear them over the incessant whispers. The crystal glowed, and Caraxus was met with an angry blast that propelled him backwards. This time, he did feel the impact. And that's the end of that lore card. Is he, like, is he like summoning him? Like is... I think is he's this... trying to free himself. Oh, okay. I, I think he's he's hearing these whispers and having these nightmares of, of his past uh, acquiring this relic, and I think perhaps he's trying to like break the curse Rid on himself him. He's of trying the dark. to, yeah, yeah. And oh, it didn't much like, like the, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. I'm following. L- literally like Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, hey, I've got this extra gold coin from this yeah. chest. I have this eyeball from this darkness thing. It has cursed me because I, you know, I took it. Uh, and now I want to be free from. Okay, yeah, no, I'm following. I'm following. So we have the conclusion to Caraxus's, uh, you know, lore entries here on the Hunter Cloak, and it says, "The whispers and screams drilled into Caraxus's mind. He lifted his hands to his face. Whimpers and pitiful chitters were the only sounds that escaped him." And again, the scenery around him had shifted, and he stood on the edge of a meteorite. Though the reef was vast, he recognized the ship debris flowing past him, but it was different than he remembered, twisted now in horrifying shapes. The deep purples and blues were dimmed. It was quiet, save for his own personal audience. Craxus held up the eye in his deteriorated hands, still pulsed with energy. Free me. He heard the allure, a voice seducing his soul to do its bidding, but the distortion that followed it reminded Caraxus why he'd come to this place. An untraceable end for this cursed relic. He balled his fist around the eye, and the screams pierced his ears as they grew louder. A dark hand reached out to him, fingers inches from his arm, and Caraxus flung the eye into the reef with all the strength he could muster. 
and he collapsed. And then there was a knock on the door. Caraxes jolted awake, hand already outstretched to grab his gun. The whispers were gone. His quarters were quiet. He gazed around the room, dazed. Caraxes stumbled out of bed and delicately approached the door. He aimed down his sights, and the metal door creaked open. And outside was a human, dressed in a dark, ornate cloak, one hand raised in greeting, and the other tightly holding a tome, and it gave off the same nightmarish energy as that eye, as Nezerak. Apologies for disturbing your sleep, said the man in a tongue Caraxus loosely understood. But would you happen to be Caraxus? And that's the end of that Lord card. As as freaky as all this is, my mind instantly went to, Hi, have you heard the word of our Lord and Savior, <laughs> Nez- Nezarek, God of Pain? Here, let me sit down and teach you a bit about him. <laughs> I mean, kind of. Like... <laughs> so, like, the whole, like, the whole thing was freaky and creepy, and I was like, Jesus Christ, what is going on with this? Like, this guy is cursed. And then to, like, have this knock on this door to end in, like, have you heard of our Lord and Savior, Nezarek, God of, final God of pain? Uh, let me, let me, can I, would you mind inviting me into your house and I could teach you a bit about him? Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, yeah. But it's the same, it's the same hunter, though, from the first, no, I keep saying hunter. It, I'm not meaning hunter in the, in the sense of, um, uh, like a, like a hunter vanguard, like like one of the three classes of destiny. A a he is hunting people that can feed that that can feed Nezarek. Yeah, presumably, um, he's he's looking for people that have already been touched by Nezarek yep. that he can he can you know convince, manipulate whatever he needs to do to get them to uh, continue to be a, a source of of fuel of food yep. for Nezarek. Yep. Uh, and Caraxus has his own gun as well, and it is called Caraxus's Distress. And uh, it has a, a quote from Caraxus, acolyte of Nezarak, and it says, I cannot sleep. His gaze, it lingers at every corner of my mind. Presumably saying that, like, once you've been touched by Nezarek, like, yep. that's it. Like, you're, you're cursed for life. Like, that is the curse of Nezarek is, like you will forever remember Nezrek and he will forever be a part of you. Jesus, that means that everyone doing the raid is fucked. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh, yep. damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so even even in this case, you know, he was reliving that memory of uh, he tried to magic it away and he couldn't yeah. break the curse that way and so he just chucked it into, it space. into space. Yeah, still and didn't work. Still, still, well, I think he he got, he was successful in getting rid of the eye but, not um, the curse. but he, you know, an acolyte still showed up at his door and knew who he was. Acolyte so. showed up. Hi, have you heard the words? <laughs> that's, that's still, that's, I was, I was with the darkness and broodingness all the way to that point where there's a knock with a guy holding a book and I'm just like, Oh, come on. Yeah. Come on. Oh all man. Right. Where's my no soliciting sign. Right. Like, <laughs> come on. All right. So we have we have one more set to get through. Okay. And one more acolyte 
that we have some information on through that set, and that acolyte is Briar. Okay. And this is the uh, Agony set, which is the Titan armor from the raid. Moving away from that fear, more towards that pain. Yep, more towards the, the painful side. So that, okay, well, before we jump into that, that kind of makes me think now, uh, going back to the idea of like that, why can he wield vo- void? Um, he's He's got a little bit of both here, right? Like he's saying he's the final god of pain, but also the god of fear and terror. So he's he literally is a little bit of both. He's a little bit of the physical and the metaphysical. Yeah, now... Uh... It's interesting. Pain could be considered a physical reaction. Uh, it could also be considered a, um, you know, a psychological reaction in, sure. in a way. Like, uh, pain is not a thing. You can't point to, you know, you can't make a box out of pain, kind sure. of thing. Sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, it it is a little like, which, which column does it fall into? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, so this one, we are following Briar, who is the, uh, narrator for these cards. Um, and we're going to start with a helmet and it goes like this. The weight of the forest's darkness pressed down on me. Adrenaline pumped through me as I watched my opponent fall. I listened for the thud as their body collided with the ground. Deep crimson painted a nearby tree, sliding down through bark and seeping into wood, the excess pooling on the ground to soak in the dead pine needles. I don't remember who it was or why I had chosen to slay them. In the past, I had seen my fair share of bloodshed, killed indiscriminately. If you saw another day on my lands, it was because I had willed it. But this felt different. Up ahead, shadows shifted in the sea of trees, and I braced myself, sword held steady. Shivers traveled up my fingertips, electrified my arms, and settled as a chill on the back of my neck. Who's there? I had announced. I could hear whispers all around me. From behind every tree, it was overwhelming, all-encompassing, indecipherable. The shadow shifted swiftly closed the distance between us until it towered over me, and it reached for me, and I stepped back, and I remember the sinister laugh, the way it touched a primal fear deep within me. I was paralyzed, my mind flooded with whispers. Its wispy body lurched forward and slammed through me, and I felt myself fall, The wind left my lungs, and for a moment, there was nothing. An emptiness, the likes of which I had never felt before. And that's the end of that lore card. Is this, is this like a fight? Or, God, I don't, I don't even know where to start with this. So it looks like it's the aftermath of a fight. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It's like the, the, the crack against the thing, crimson being the blood all over everything, Yeah. yeah. Briar has just defeated somebody, um, and even it seems they don't know why. They don't right. remember why, at least. We don't know when this was being written. And there's no indication of what Briar is. Like, we don't know if he's a guardian or just an entity or cabal or what he is. Right. He, he does reference uh, my lands. You know, if you saw another day on my lands, which 
could be a warlord. We know warlords sure, presided sure. over, you know, areas of their their own dominion. Yep. Uh but was attacked by this shadow essentially. Uh in the aftermath of this fight that didn't seem to be able to defend themselves against. Yeah. So it continues in uh the gloves and we kind of see what is happening to Briar after this shadow has latched itself onto them in a way. It says, The cycle remained the same, but my actions were not my own. The blade felt heavier with each battle. I did not recognize the shadow attached to me. I did not recognize myself. Did I even know who I was to begin with? The shouts and pleas of my enemies reverberated in the air. My skin burned and my heart pounded harder than a hammer striking an anvil. My head, my head was filled with a dense fog. I was present but lost. My adversary fell to the ground, gasping for air. And I fixed my eyes on their face, and a breathy animalistic snarl escaped my lips and it lingered like a haunting song. Beneath it was a laugh, his laugh, and I fell to my knees, staining them in the crimson that had pooled beneath my boots, and I dropped my sword and lifted my shaky hands up to my eyes, and the fresh blood ran down my fingers, forming a tapestry in the palm lines. And I saw his face in the pattern, felt the weight of his hands on my shoulders, on my mind, and I screamed. And that's the end of that one. This is, this is a full possession. Like, yes, th- this is this is showing that Nezrek has the ability to just take over someone and be like, "I'm gonna use you to do whatever." Perhaps as he gains more power. He gains more ability to control people. I, I'm yeah. not sure. But yeah, he's he's like full on possessed this yeah. person. And uh this continues. And the chess piece. And the chess piece has this to say. You are mine, echoed through my head. My threaded silk sheets were no longer a comfort. Instead, they felt like gravel against my skin. Every twist and turn yielded pain. The lit candle beside my bed did not ease my mind. I turned on my back, eyes trained on the ceiling, to avoid the shadows dancing in the candlelight's orange glow. As I sunk into my pillow, I felt as though it would eventually suffocate me. It would not grant me solace from the whispers. They were always present like white noise, at least until he required my attention. Bring me more. Groans of pain and agony poured into my room. Each corner shifted and warped in ways I could only attribute to the fateful day in the woods. I was paralyzed by the weight of it all. The flame at the tip of the wick flickered weakly as it neared the bottom of the holder where the wax pooled. Numerous claws and black tendrils inched their way toward my bed. You will never be free. I cried out 
As solar energy burst forth, the hammer was warm in my grasp, and I leapt from my bed, slamming the fiery weapon down to the floorboards, and I felt the heat intensify as the flames licked at every surface they could find, and the shadows still danced, still reached for me, and I tried to burn them away. Wood splintered and cracked as everything fell apart, and my screams drowned in the destruction of my own home. And that's the end of that one. Okay, so it's a library. Yes. This is yep. a possessed uh, hammer titan. Yep. God, so, seems, e- seems so, to be. so easily possessed, you crayon eaters. No. That's... <laughs> uh, shots fired. Shots fired. Yeah, no, that, was, that came out a lot more brutal than I expected it to. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, all of you titan mains. Just because I suck at them doesn't mean that you are any lesser than me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is definitely a, a solar titan. He's got his he's got his solar hammers just smashing everything, like trying to trying to trying to extinguish this shadow. But it is it's it's possessed him. Like that's it. Like once it's got a hold of him, that's that's it seems game over. Uh, I'm thinking more towards warlord because of that. I now now that idea of like my lands like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, it, it's just showing that once Nezarek is there, like he's got a hold of you. That's that's it. That's game over. Like mm-hmm. again, presumably every single person who is completing the raid and killing Nezarek is fucked now. Like that's, that's, yeah. that's <laughs> you think you have defeated me? Ha ha. Jk. You're you're out of luck. This is the cost of loot. Yes, that's this that. is the cost of loot. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> um, so this continues on the boots, uh, the greaves of agony. And uh, they say, I did not ask for your help, I shouted, rage coursing through me. My knife was stained red, and I shouldn't have been able to see it, any of it. But here I was, staring back at my ghost. You needed your sight, Firethorn returned. His voice was laced with concern, something I ignored in the moment, but would remember for years to come. That is not up to you. He preys upon my vision. I stepped forward, and Firethorn floated to meet my gaze. The blade in my hand shook as a faint whisper tickled the back of my mind. Do it. And I shouted, covering my ears. I could see shapes forming in the darkness of the trees again. I couldn't take it anymore, but I knew Firethorn would only continue to heal me. You need to snap out of this, Firethorn pushed. You're losing control. Where is the great briar of the wild brambles? He's dead, whispered the voice. The thorn that pierced the heart of would-be gods. Nothing but a puppet. Pain and terror were your symphony. They are my symphony. What becomes of... And I remember how easily my hand wrapped around him, how I forced him to the ground and pierced his lens with my knife. And I hadn't realized what I'd done till I saw the light flicker out of his eye, and Firethorn's pieces 
were the last thing I saw before succumbing to permanent darkness. And that's the end of that one. Holy shit. Did he cut out his own eyes and then his ghost healed him? And then he, Nezarek took over and he killed Jesus Christ, man. I, I think that's exactly what happened. This shit is fucking dark. Like, yeah. Bungie, you wanted to put darkness in the game? Here you go. There it is. Jesus. Yeah. Dude, this is dark. He's been trying to blind himself, and yeah. his ghost is like, stop it. Quit, quit <laughs> uh, doing that. You, you silly goose. Quit doing that. And, uh, and yeah, Nezarek just, just pokes and prods those little bits. Like, you know, Dude, this you, is, you need this to. This is fucking dark. You need to get rid of him. He's he's stopping you, uh, and so he he does. Jesus. Okay. All right. Huh. And and is now permanently possessed now. Like that's. Yep. Yeah. That's well. I guess not now. Like has always been permanently possessed. Right. But now has always now been like, possessed. Now like fully perm. Like there is no coming back at all. Like if there wasn't any sign of coming back before, this is it. Like there is no coming back from. God, we are all screwed. Damn it. <laughs> well, and I think the permanent darkness at the end there is he he blinds himself again. But yeah. This time there is no ghost. There's to, no ghost to to, to, bring, it to bring it back. Yeah. So we finish off Briar's Tale with the class item. And it goes. The campfire crackled and echoed throughout the cave. I reached toward it, allowing the warmth to guide me. The man across from me had remained silent throughout my recollection. You carried the scent of him, of Nezarek. As do you, Briar of the Wild Brambles, the man said. The title felt unfamiliar as it left his lips. Was I still deserving of that moniker? It felt long gone. It's faint, but still there, he said. What is the true reason you've sought me out, I asked. There was a long pause, and then I heard him shuffle around for something in a bag. My family has been in Nezarak's favor for generations, he said. And I defen defensively gripped my walking stick, ready to draw my blade if necessary. And then I heard the loud thud of a heavy object, and after a few seconds, pages turning, and he spoke again. Our experiences will not be the last. The pages continued to turn, just loud enough for me to hear over the crackle of fire. Do you wish to feel his full power again? The man asked. Deep down, I felt an instantaneous yes ring loud and true. I'd spent so long fearing his influence, the sheer terror he amplified within me. But when he was gone, all that remained was a void, an all-consuming vacuum. What do you need me to do? I asked. I had no way of definitively knowing, but something told me that the man was smiling back. And that's the end of that lore card.
this 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 is yeah i yeah i i got nothing man this this <laughs> this 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 guy who is do we have we have no definitive way of of saying that this is that this guy that's going door to door spreading the, the <laughs> I'm trying to turn this whole thing dark and be like I'm, have have you heard the joyous terror of the terror and pain of our Lord and Savior Nazareth God <laughs> final God of pain and terror uh are do we we have no way of uh, like there's no definitive answer if that guy is uh Michael right uh, not that I've found, but just the only thing I'm going off is the fact that in Michael's reverence, uh, he, he they is, are referenced as yeah. leader of the acolytes. So. Yeah. So yeah, definitely somebody who's, and, and again, with the reference to a light bearer or warlord, uh, definitely more recent times. So not as, uh, I, I'm assuming that even this scion now, now thinking back on it, on on the other two entries, I'm thinking that all three of these are taking place uh, in our soul system, uh, in uh, post collapse. Uh, uh, definitely trying to get uh, Nezarek back in some way. Yeah, and um, if if he's been a god, you know, god quote unquote to these people uh, since before the golden age, uh, maybe he was making his presence known in some way, but now that he's, he is cursed in this body that Sabathun left him in, he doesn't have a means to escape. And so that is probably a signal to the cultists of like, Oh, we need to, we need to gather people and give him power for him to come back. Kind of thing. Get as many, as many people who have been touched by him as possible together and then get, get a feeding ground going. So the events of so the events of the of the scion, uh, the events that that scion is reliving, those events could have happened long ago, but they are yeah. still reliving them now in in the current age, uh, yep. as well as uh, as well as the the Elixni and this and this uh, human. I'm gonna say, uh, um, or Exo could be an Exo. Is it, uh, for yeah. some reason I'm reading Bri- Briar Four is what I'm remembering, but um, so th- each. Uh, each of the armor pieces has a number attached to it. I think to tell us the order the story goes uh, in. Okay, 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 okay. Because yeah, it's so like it's not... Briar one, Briar yep. two, Briar yep. three. So yep. yeah. So not 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 a number in the sense of an exo naming. So I'm gonna assume then human. Um. So yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Uh huh. Careful so... what you read, kids. <laughs> that um. That concludes the information we have about the uh, the raid and Nezarak and the cult of Nezarak and how we may see him again someday. So, so I guess as far as like answers, questions answered, uh, we know where the raid takes place now. And, um, it's very apparent where it is. We have. I still feel like we have tons of questions about Nezarek, but he's definitely someone to be feared and possibly yes. not done in this universe. Um, was the guardian of, of the veil um, that Sabathun stole and and then cursed him, preventing him from body hopping or resurrecting, uh, and is now leaked out into the universe again and can be made whole again. Whole again. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Not, not good. good. <laughs> not good at all. All right. Well, um, 
Well, I guess was that was that all we had for Nezarek then, and and the and the raid and the yep, root of I, nightmares. Very very living up to its name of the root of nightmares. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, uh, we do. Ha- we obviously we have shout outs, but before we get to uh, shout outs, uh, uh, we do have one um, kind of somber note uh, for. Uh, I mean, more than just the Destiny community, but definitely the entirety of Destiny community. Um, at the time of this recording, uh, this is the the day after uh, we've all learned of the passing of Lance Reddick, uh, who is the voice for Zavala, uh, uh, the commander in chief of of essentially all Guardians and and definitely the the obviously the Titan uh, Vanguard, uh, and it's uh, it's it's truly sad. Uh, to have lost uh, an icon. Um, I know that every, everyone always thinks of all the questions of, oh, what are they going to do with this? What are they going to do with that? I, I, I'm, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at this as like a, a somber moment of uh, not just losing a, a voice in a game, but losing a, a, another human being uh, on this earth. It's, it's a, uh, I know he... It, Everything that he played in, uh, played a role in, uh, be it a voice line or, or, or as as an actor, was, I mean, you, you could tell he loved what he's doing. He loved what he he did, um, and especially with Destiny. Um, I, I I know there's tons of of little clips of him playing. Uh, I'm pretty sure he was a he was a Solar Warlock main. Uh, yep. So yeah. He, it's that 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 makes me giggle that the, the Titan <laughs> Titan Vanguard loves playing a, a warlock. Uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's truly sad that 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 he is gone. Uh, and uh, I, I know I know I know the, the everything everything like he's he's already been immortalized in everything he's done uh, throughout. Uh, you know the John Wick series, the Zavala, um, uh, Vox Machina. I know he played a voice in there. Uh, um, I know, I know I'm blanking on thousands of his roles right now, but... Oh, I know. So those many. Are the, those are the most recent ones that I can think of, and, and the one mo- most pertinent here being uh, Zavala. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we just wanted to take a, a second and, and acknowledge that and and say that he will he will be missed. Uh, Myth, you had a, you had a, a quote, uh, I believe. Yeah, so um, just repeating what I, what I had, had put out on, on Twitter. Um, and uh, you know, before that, I, you know, he was a, a very impactful person, although not someone that I think uh, he he made an impact, even if you didn't have to meet him in person, uh, through his his roles and and uh, you know how truly genuine and excited he seemed uh, to interact with the Destiny community whenever he had the the ability to do so. Um, so just a a terrible loss. I, uh, you know, and I, I hope that I, I hope for for good things for his family as they they move through this time. Um, and just wanted to to make note. I, you know, to if we tie it into the lore once once again, since that's what we do here, uh, from the voices of the haunted book, specifically the chapter entitled Memento. Uh, there is a line that uh, Commander Zavala says that uh, is, we can't all live forever, but being remembered 
That's the next best thing. And I can guarantee he will be remembered. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, just kind of move away from the somberness. Like that's, I'm I'm already in tears. I'm done. That's <laughs> came over for me today. Uh, we do have some shout outs. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we have a, a few shout outs today uh, that are coming to us from Twitter and from Apple. Uh, you guys are awesome. Killing it lately. Thousand thousand plus downloads a day. Get out of town. Oh, I know. We have had a couple a couple days, the last two or three days, where it's been a thousand plus in a day, and that is insanity. I'm so thank you. Loving it. Yeah. Uh, the first shout out for today is going to come to us from uh, Sean Ashwell from Twitter, uh, who just says, "You guys do an amazing job. I love all of your theories. Keep up the good work." Yeah. So thank you. He does most of the heavy lifting. I get. I, I had one episode where I had three really good theories, and that was literally been a year and a half of theory building, all put into one episode. That's what I got. Myth, myth is the myth is the true hero here. Well, so he says. But aha, Zord does perfectly fine with his theory crafting when uh, when he gets into it. So I try. I try. It's so hard. <laughs> My little squirrel brain can't keep up. But uh, our second shout out comes to us from Kyle Frank, uh, who says, listening from the beginning, currently on the duality session. Thank you guys for getting me through my work day. Uh, love your work and theories. So many laughs and oh shit realizations. Still waiting on that 1-800-WITNESS merch. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'd almost forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of had too. So thank you for reminding me that that was a bit... I. I I can't say that the that the one eight hundred witness <laughs> merch is on its way, but uh, maybe you never know. Uh, it is it is a facet of content creation. We haven't really dived into yeah what the logistics of that would be, but yeah. uh, I don't know. Maybe something will happen. We'll, we'll yeah. see. Um, but thank you. I'm glad we can help you through through the work day. As it appears, we we tend to do for people absolutely absolutely <laughs> that's that's the one thing that, that that seems to be like the common theme among all of our our shout outs is people coming back going yeah i just ignore my work now and listen to y'all like <laughs> okay <laughs> don't necessarily condone it but whatever oh so our final shout out for for the episode is coming to us from apple podcasts uh a uh, very kind five star review. Thank you very much. Um, from Obi Wan Kenobi, uh, I think is what they're going for there. Ah, oh, because he's a newbie. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Uh, but um, they say there are a lot of lore historians out there, and they're great. And I thank them all for their time helping educate the community with stories we may have missed. Uh, Myth has amazing knowledge and depth of history for the game content to make sense. Zor is a jackass joke man who makes the content entertaining and fun. Combined, they make a one-two punch like Ikora and Cade on comms for a strike. Hell yeah. Hell back yeah. Listening, back listening to all the old content and eagerly anticipating what you have in store for the Lightfall season. Hell well, thank yeah. Thank you. I'm I I dude, if I'm if I've even if I am even an ounce of Cade Six's personality. I, I, yes. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Um, 
I do. I do think of myth as as the as the uh, the 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 <laughs> the well educated, well versed Ikora. <laughs> like that's yeah, I can see it. Oh, I suppose I, uh, I love it. I'm not great at PvP though, so <laughs> not no no. Still still void warlock main though. Still void war. That is true. That is true. All right. Uh, well, yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, all of you. Uh, again, everyone that everyone that doesn't uh, uh, shout out or, or doesn't doesn't send us anything back, but is just listening, I'd, we absolutely love that too. That's that's super. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, if you would like to leave a review, feel free to do so on your your platform of choice, or if you want to send us a comment on uh, on Twitter, you can find us at Myths and Stories spelled with a Z. Uh, same as the the show title um we love to hear from you guys and you may hear yourself on a future shout out yeah uh well i guess i got my thanks um fuck i don't know this one was too dark i can't thank anyone in there <laughs> shit yeah, yeah oh no no maybe we think uh maybe we think our uh door-to-door no that's bad that's, <laughs> that's bad so i can't either. i can't thank that guy <laughs> that's even worse like Jesus, we had no bobs or anything in this episode. I don't, I don't know who the hell to thank. Um, screw it. I thank you, Nezrak. Thanks for being crazy and yep. giving us a crazy ass raid and crazy ass people. Like, <laughs> stop. Real interesting. Stop sending people door to door. Like, we get it. You want to come back and you want to rule the world in terror and pain. Maybe not a good thing. All right. Well, Myth, you got anything else? Nope, that's it. All righty. Well, then from all of us lore daddies to all of you guardians out there, we'll see you next week.